0: Welcome to Fandom Power. Hey guys, welcome back to Fandom Power. My name is Wes R. Scott, and I want to welcome everybody to our first chapter, our first installment, as it were, of our new uh, four-part review series, Order 66. And today, unfortunately, I'm I'm down a man. I don't have Andy with me today. He's uh, not feeling up to it. I'm sure he's going to be back, though, for uh, future episodes. But uh, once again, my good friend and co-host, Hank McLaughlin out in Halifax. How are you today, sir?
1: Couldn't be better. Can't wait to dive into this.
0: Yeah, so uh, I really uh, am b- been looking forward to doing this ever since you'd mentioned it back in our uh, in our Mandalorian episodes about maybe wanting to keep the conversation going and and where could we go next? And this just seemed like such a good way to do that because it's such an encapsulated story arc that that overlaps uh, Revenge of the Sith.
1: I feel strongly that how good it was was eclipsed by how good season two of the Mandalorian was. Like yeah it, if you if you haven't seen it it you get it gets lost in the shuffle because of how good the TV content has been but oh my goodness is season the last arc of season 7 is some of the best Star Wars going
0: I thought so too and and then to to go back and revisit that episode and and realize that I was so maybe out of touch like I I'm at a vague recollection of the, the the general story beats but uh you know, it's like, oh, we're going to review this. So I better brush up on what I think I know. And then to discover how much I had forgotten, it was an eye opener. That's for sure. So, I mean,
1: at season five, when we thought it was over, that's right. we were in 2012. So we're talking, you know, almost a decade ago. So certainly yeah. there's, yeah, it's uh, funny that it's taken almost two decades to tell the story.
0: Yeah. Um, and I which mean,
1: ostensibly is two to 18 months, two, two years to 18 months in timeline.
0: Yeah, just to bring the Clone Wars to a it's it's finality, I guess.
1: Yeah, 7 years but spaced over 20.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Clone Wars was pretty good for doing that though, too cuz you got to remember that first season it was episodic television, right? So yeah. and and it was episodic television that was not in any chronology. It, it, the episodes kind of bounced around. So it well, wasn't they,
1: they, they must have had like, you know, 15 to 20 episodes in the pocket.
0: I would think just, so.
1: Yeah, and then aired them. You know, it was a lot more loosey goosey. I think at the time there was so they just aired them how they felt uh, they fit. Season two and, kind uh, of
0: we kind of worked to rectify some of those things by adding in. I don't want to call them filler episodes because they're anything but that. But they certainly served to fill in the chronology. Where whereas, like I said, season one kind of jumped around a little bit yeah. in the timeline. Season two went, oh, here's some of the other things that happened during the that time. And we'll fit those in and and try to, hopefully through the narrative process, you'll figure out where they kind of fit in. But um,
1: You almost introduced characters like Five and Echoes before you get their origin story.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly.
1: And then uh, now that there's like, you can go online and check it out, guys, if you want. There's like um, a chronology list. You can actually watch the episodes in their chronological order. And it's quite interesting. Like, you... You know, I started to notice inconsistencies even watching it the first time through when it was airing, going, Well, why is you, Lauren, you know, in charge of the. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Him and Anakin know each other, but then I just watched an episode, you know, uh, or, well, that, you know, they know each other in an episode two weeks ago, but now I'm I'm seeing the first time they meet.
0: And I'm yeah. like, that's out, of, that's out of order. So that's I started weird. noticing things like that, right? But they did uh, work
1: yeah. really hard to correct it. And especially yeah. by the time they hit like maybe season four or five, they started grouping the stories into arcs. So you got mini movies essentially. That's right, right. And and it's really evident in season seven, especially with, with what we're doing today.
0: Yeah, season seven really does double down on that way of telling stories is to break them into these like miniature, I, I guess we call them arcs, and then just sort of you know deal with one arc at a time, and and then those are like smaller encapsulated stories within the larger, within the larger picture, I guess.
1: It's perfect. It's exactly the way that George Lucas envisioned it in the first place, which was serialized media.
0: Yeah. And by the time we get to season seven, like, uh, if you haven't seen this, uh, this arc or this episode, you really do owe it to yourself to go back and watch this stuff. Cause it's, it's fantastic. Unfortunately, um, you're going to have to go to Disney plus or find another way to, uh, to watch that. <laughs> um, which uh, I leave that up to you. <laughs> no judgment here. No judgment here. Just watch it and enjoy by the time we get to uh, Season 7, uh, very quickly we learn uh, in this opening episode how closely the events of, of this arc are uh, enveloped or intertwining with the events of Revenge of the Sith. So th- this particular story arc is concurrent with that movie, and it, and it kind of weaves in and out of the plot beats that we see in the movie. So I think that really makes for some really compelling emotional stuff because you know you've probably seen revenge of the sith you know maybe a few times and you have your feelings about it but then to know what was happening to you know those other characters particularly ahsoka and to see what happened to her is it's pretty uh, emotional
1: yeah it's sort of where i started my prep for this too was i went back and i rewatched revenge of the sith like, oh fantastic we first decided i think it was yeah. the day after we first decided we were going to do this just to you know and it, It takes what is almost rushed in terms of, you know, because there is like this, like 45 minute lightsaber duel at the end of it, you know, like, so a lot of it, it, it's, it's not rushed. It's happened over the entire lifespan of the character, but it it can feel rushed in in terms of that movie. Uh, I I agree with you that it's the best of the trilogy still. Yeah. But this, this takes that and it it spreads it out a little bit. It gives it depth. You see it from the point of view of people that are so dear to the character of Anakin Skywalker. And yeah, You, you know, you only get his connections with Obi-Wan in the films, a little bit with Yoda, you get an adversity with, with base window, but you don't, he don't, you know, and his love for Padme, certainly, but to, to see him interact with a student, to see the, the deep connection that he has to Obi-Wan, to, to see him as a more human character with and see him with Rex and stuff. It's so, it's so nice to see their perspective of his fall that it's very moving. It makes it so much more powerful.
0: Yeah. One thing I have to say about this particular story arc, and not even so much this arc, but I mean, we'll get into it a little bit later, but there's there was a homework piece sort of that we discovered <laughs> going into this that was like, oh, in order for us to really be able to recount this story, we need to know the events of, of how they got there. But in that process of going back and revisiting some of the season five episodes, I really, I was really kind of like, not shocked, but I was pleasantly surprised at how intricate the events of the clone wars this particular those season five episodes and the season seven how much they punctuate the return of these characters in star wars rebels and then again in the mandalorian and, and just how organic these three uh disparate properties all really are woven together in this dare i say expert uh manner
1: I said it before that I felt strongly like the uh, Mandalorian might have been a sequel to rebels, like a live action thing. And it's in a certainly... lot of ways, rebels is a sequel, it's almost like a, a spiritual successor, if you will, to the clone wars.
0: Well, it uh, certainly not
1: feels more that directly because, you know, because of the creators that are involved, but now you get in these, these, this broad spectrum of Disney shows. And I think that the, 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 the sequel, you know, that like the, the ongoing story is going to be told over a, a greater span. And so I think you're going to get this connective tissue through all of this. They they really, I mean, yeah, it's, it's woven so craftily. You could literally watch the arcs that we're talking about from season five, season seven, the little pieces of rebels, right. the little pieces that are in the Mandalorian and get the story.
0: I've said that a few times to people that I've talked to uh, or spoken with offline outside of our show is that if you did nothing, because a lot of people say the same thing to me, they go, listen, I love what you're doing, I love that you're giving me this conduit to this, to these shows, but I don't know if I can invest in seven seasons of television, or five seasons in the case of Rebels, and my answer is the same, and I'm just, I'm going to go out and say it one more time. If you watch just the episodes pertaining to Mandalore and the Mandalorians, just to pad out your understanding of the live-action Mandalorian. Great, you're going to be so much further ahead of, uh, than the casual fan who's just watching the Mandalorian independently of anything else.
1: Yeah, and there's and, like six or seven episodes that we're talking about. That's here, right, with a 22 minute runtime. So you're yeah. not investing a you're investing a couple of hours. It's yeah. like watching an additional Star Wars film, and who could be mad at that?
0: Well, certainly not me. Yeah. Um, one thing about season seven, I just want to point this out for everybody. So for everybody who's in who was invested into Mandalorian. Season 7 of, of The Clone Wars is kind of special because this is the first time that Dave Filoni is on his own. He's the supervising producer, the director, and the writer, uh, the primary writing force for Season 7. And we know that he was instrumental in the entire show, but this was the first time that it was him on his own without George Lucas in his pocket sort of steering the ship, as it were. It's true. So I mean, it really sets the stage for what came later in Rebels and, of course, in The Mandalorian.
1: Uh, a lot of it was uh, in post. The whole Bad Batch arc from the very beginning of the season was already—it was key, animated, voiced, and and actually ready for pre-production.
0: Yeah, I mean that um, that went out in. Uh, was it not part of the? It was supposed to be part of season six? I think
1: uh, the the. Um, the middle arc with the uh, the sisters was supposed to be season six and it actually takes place chrono. I, I, I just, I read an article this morning. That yeah. It takes place chronologically before the bad batch arc. Okay. So th- those arcs are not necessarily in chronological order, although revenge of the Sith, that arc is perfect. And it yet
0: it ties, forward. it ties nicely. And I, I didn't want to get into it, but it does eventually tie nicely into the season five episodes that we're going to talk about with Ahsoka. And her 100%. leaving her leaving the order and spending time uh, sort of in the sub-levels, I, of, of course. I knew
1: this was on a whole different tip because I watched the the rest of season seven, of course, before we hit this episode, yep. which I believe is, what is it, the 12th episode? Uh, so this best. is
0: uh, season nine. seven. Uh, it's season seven, episode nine. And it's called That's Old correct. Old Friends Not Forgotten. That's right.
1: And the first thing that struck me after the, was the, the green Lucasfilm limited logo from the original yeah. theatrical releases. And I knew this was going to be something special yeah. based on that.
0: Yeah, exactly. It was the it diverted from that. I shouldn't say it diverted because you did get that opening narration, that newsreel, you know, uh, the, the voice actor who did you, Lauren, who also did sort of the overdubbing to set up these, what I like to refer to as these newsreels that set up yeah. every episode, but, you're right. That gentleman's
1: name is uh, Tom Kane. And let's just say, uh, let's, our, our wishes to him and his family. He recently had a stroke in November and lost the use of his voice. I didn't hear so, that. So, best wishes to him and his family. He's also the voice of Yoda in the Clone Wars. So, oh, wow. let's hope yeah. a, a speedy recovery for that gentleman and uh, get yeah. back to some great voice acting.
0: Well, our thoughts are certainly with him and his family. But yeah, so like you say, we're definitely in for something that was different, and and dare I say, it was kind of special, in and not only in the material that it covered, but in the way that they covered it. And there's a few points that I, I know we'll bring up today, and there's lots more to talk about in the future episodes that are coming, because there's some really, really cool stuff that they did in terms of how they shot some of the sequences in this arc, which oh, are just yeah. fantastic. So why don't we uh, kick it off, and uh, let's get into the episode a little bit, and sort of get up to that point where we can talk about sort of the history of how we got there. Make it so... Right on. So once again, it's uh, Season 7. It's Episode 9. It's called Old Friends Not Forgotten. This one is written by Dave Filoni. It's directed by Saul Ruiz. And it has a total runtime of 30 minutes with uh, your opening and closing credits. It's probably closer to 25 if you, if you kind of knock that out. Mm. And uh, the official synopsis on this one is The Siege of Mandalore begins and Ahsoka turns to Anakin and Obi-Wan for help so let's get into this over here open up my notes you want me to go through the uh the narration i've got the narration we can go through that so yeah. yeah so uh outer rim siege separatist forces have launched a major offensive led by the evil droid general grievous republic forces are pushed to the brink in response to this overwhelming attack the jedi council has dispatched its generals sending them far from the core worlds to bolster the beleaguered clones On the distant planet of Yerbana, we find Commander Cody of the 212th in desperate need of reinforcements. So it's this uh, pretty cool opening shot that reminds me a lot of the opening of the first season where, uh, oddly enough, they're fighting on a bridge. (laughs) Perfect. perfect. Yeah. And and
1: a lot of the language in the intro intro, it sets up where the characters are in Revenge of the Sith.
0: Yeah, it does. You get this sort of mon- montage, I guess? This montage mm-hmm. scene where we see, like, Kiade Mundi and uh, uh, I can't think of his name, the Iktachi uh, Osezi and
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, some of the other generals, Ayla Sakura, and you see them, and they're just quick, quick little transitory flashes of Ayla Sakura on uh, Felucha and. Yes. Uh mundi on uh, Cato-Nemoidia and mm-hmm. where all the generals were in the galaxy when you got to that scene exactly. uh, when Order 66 is actually given and the clones start to turn on them. So this is a good sort of uh, setup moment where it establishes where everybody is sort of in the galaxy.
1: Yeah, it lets you start here if you feel like it.
0: it yeah, is, totally. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. So we have the uh, uh the 212 of course that's uh, that's Obi-Wan Kenobi's clone division led by Commander Cody and uh they're they're facing off a really sizable droid uh droid army at the other end of this like long bridge and it's not going very well they're pretty much pinned down we see uh, a bunch of uh, Z95 headhunters which are uh, are kind of cutting edge technology at this point they've they've Absolutely. sort of they've come precursor, in and they've they the X-wing pre yeah precursor to the X-wing think X-wing fighter with a single wing and it, it's the replacement I guess the it's the fighter that uh replaced the the torrent the the torrent fighter I think is mm-hmm. what it is yeah and of course we got those LAAT gunships kind of bombing in trying to provide air support but I mean the clone side of the things we're talking like legion of of like of B1 battle droids and B or B2 battle droids, I guess they are because they're independent, not uh, computer controlled. That's right. Spider droids and the whole uh, gamut of like droid forces, but it, it it's going poorly, and we actually see you know the droids uh, taking down some of the gunships, and uh, the clones are end up you know having to take cover. Yeah, and uh, in a sequence where you think Cody's about to to buy it from a piece of shrapnel that's about to fall on him, we get this sort of cool like dun 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 moment where obi-wan kind of jumps in and and deflects the uh the the shot and uh it's this like oh you just you just saved my bacon moment yes but um eventually what happens is the uh the clones you know, hunker down because they don't know what to do they're they're kind of outnumbered and obi-wan in his frustration is like where's anakin and uh Like, where's Anakin and and his clone division, the 501st? And of course, in this like Indiana Jones ish, swaggery, you know, cocky way, he's like, I'm right here. And the camera camera pans over and he's just walking casually up the bridge like nothing is going on. (laughs) Yeah, everything's exploding around him. He's standing there.
1: They're all hunkered down behind cover and he's literally towering over them, just having a casual conversation. Yeah, exactly. What are you doing? Yeah.
0: On? So the idea is the what do they call them? The um uh, the tactical droid. That's something that Clone Wars the the animated series kind of introduced as it it was a a piece of the lore that was definitively its own thing. We That's never right. saw these in the in the in the films, but um if you go back to uh episode 1 to um the Phantom Menace, the, those original battle droids if you recall were uh, run by a, a centralized control hub in the, in the, in the ship. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so those, those were the B1 battle droids. And then later on successively, they, the B2 were were more uh, independent and they had basic, you know, programming and could sort of operate on their own. But, you know, one thing that is consistent between the films and the Clone Wars is the buffoonery of the droids. That, that is consistent throughout. Yeah. Uh, but Clone Wars kind of handles it in an interesting way where they, they introduce what they call these tactical droids. And, and essentially they're the droid generals, if you will, the, the strategists who do all the planning and control all the troop movements. And they typically are, are pretty smart. I say pretty smart because they still end up <laughs> losing in the long run, but that's right. They do serve a purpose to, uh to motivate and to direct the, the other droid forces. And so, In this scenario, the tactical droid is somewhere on the battlefield, elusively sort of hiding, Uh, and that's sort of the key to taking down the droid forces, because if you can take out the tactical droid, the rest of them will fall into disarray, and then it becomes this this easy uh, mop-up. So Anakin's like, you know, do you have a plan? He's like, I've got a plan. So uh, he just... (laughs) basically standing on top of the the wreckage that Cody and Obi-Wan are hiding behind he just kind of strides off and heads yep. down the bridge essentially throws himself at the mercy of the droid army and basically does the you know white flag it gets yep. them to stop shooting and and then under the pretense of surrender basically causes a pause in the battle where finally the tactical droid is like why aren't you shooting and they're like uh it's a Jedi they're surrendering, <laughs> they're surrendering and the tactical yeah. droid is like, and of course in star Wars legacy line, it's a trap. Yes. And uh, of course that by that time it's too late and Anakin is able to uh, rend the, the tactical droid from its platform using the force and then beheads it. But interestingly enough, there's, there's a sort of secondary component where, We've seen Anakin, but where where's Rex and where's the rest yeah. of the the 501st? Turns out that they have crawled across the the superstructure of the underside of the bridge and are literally right. hanging, waiting for the the moment uh, to attack. And of course, you know, scouting the the top of the bridge for them is R2D2, who's magnetically stuck to the side of the bridge and <laughs> using his periscope to to look around. That's right. So once the uh once the droid, the tactical droid is beheaded that uh, the signal is given and all the clones uh drop out from underneath the bridge and they're all wearing very Mandalorian style uh jetpacks. Yes. <laughs> and yes. uh the they quickly turn the tide as the the entire 501st kind of joins the battle.
1: They come up on either side and flank them. You know they're well, they're well behind the line, and it's the same tactic that Bo Katan and the the Night Owl and her and uh, I forget this is the gentleman's name, they um, they use on that bridge in the that Mandalorian episode when they're yeah that's right Uh, that
0: was uh uh, was it the guy or was it the girl was it it could have been it was Costka Reeves I think it was that's right yeah yeah Yeah, so essentially coming up from either side of the bridge, taking the droids sort of by surprise, and we see a lot. This is where I kind of say like there's this smoothing continuity where a lot of what we saw in this battle, we did see these elements kind of turn up in, in the Mandalorian, like from the, you know, guys on jetpacks who were, you know, this, the idea of now it's a three dimensional combat. Um, Mm -hmm. and then the idea of using explosives very much in the same way that we saw them used in the Mandalorian. That's right. Yeah. Well, I thought that was pretty cool. Little and grenades
1: then, and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Time come, yeah, yeah.
0: And then of course you've got this moment where now the battle is starting to change. The, the pitch is starting to shift. And, uh, you have this moment where like you are reminded that, you know, when, uh, Cody kind of does that, he almost looks at, at Obi-Wan like, uh-huh. you know, when you're at the dog park and your dog is like, I just want to go and play with everybody else. Cause I see like balls and stuff over there. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, almost yeah, yeah. the same thing. He doesn't say a word. He just looks at Obi Wan, looks at the battle, looks back at Obi Wan. Yes, yes, Cody, you can go join the fun. <laughs> <laughs> then the the what is it? The two hundred and oh, I can't remember. Is uh, clone division the two twelfth? Uh, two twelve. Yeah, the two twelfth. So they enter the fray, and essentially the um, the battle is uh, is essentially won. I got to talk about this opening scene though for a minute because, like you say, we we had you know season five back in two thousand twelve and then we thought the thing was over. The Lost Missions came out on what Netflix I think originally. Mm-hmm. Um and they essentially were just a few, you know, a few arcs that that were maybe sort of already sort of pre-production that didn't get finished. But then season 7 rolls along and and immediately when this episode starts, you're immediately made aware that there's been a slight shift in the animation style. Yes, which I thought was interesting because it almost to me it wasn't, it was still very obviously the Clone Wars, but it almost had a Rebels-esque kind of look to it, but it, not it, it quite.
1: started to lean, yeah. It it did sort of start to lean. Things started to get leaner, narrower a little bit. Yeah.
0: Um, like, things that they were doing, like, by this time, Anakin has got his uh, much, his longer uh, mullet-y, uh hairstyle. And yeah. one thing that I noticed that I don't think they really had had touched on before was his hair was actually blowing in the wind, Mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, you know, little things like that. Obi-Wan's sideburns were definitely whitened to show that, you know, that, uh, closer overlapping with his revenge of the Sith look. And and then of course the biggest one obviously is they've dropped their clone, their armor pieces. I was just
1: going to say they dropped their clone armor in this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So they're definitely consistent with their appearance in the film.
1: Yeah. And it, even when you watch the other seasons of clone wars, there's, there's almost like a, a, a quantum leap every season in the animation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very much so.
1: Like, I mean, and it starts out strong, but it gets better and better and better every season. They're refining their process. And even with this after being after rebels, this, this is the peak of, of sort of star Wars animation right now. Right.
0: Well, this is where I kind of struggled, right? Like, Season seven is, de- yeah, is absolutely after Rebels because it wasn't uh, until after the.
1: I mean, chronologically, in our yeah, point.
0: yeah, yeah, and and I mean, yeah, because of the sale of the company, right? That's right. I was trying to figure out where one show ended and the next one began, and it was like prior to season seven. Yeah, I mean, Clone Wars was over, over by the time Rebels started, so there's there's like zero overlap there.
1: Zero, zero. Uh, 2012 was the last Clone Wars episode and season five and that's where we
0: that's right we yeah were
1: done Disney took over and the first thing they did was rebels
0: yeah like immediately
1: immediately 2014 yeah 13, yeah uh, immediately rebels uh and so that just tells me that that's something that Filoni had in the pipes and they I thought, think so. Well, that's that's probably strong let's go with that to at least get a product out now to show them that so I think yeah. that was the first Disney property was Rebels, and I think it was very soon after the acquisition.
0: I think so as well.
1: Yeah. First what, Force Awakens 2015? Uh yeah. Yeah, so the acquisition was 2012, 2013, yeah, so that's right because production there
0: was there was a moment where they were talking about some overlap uh between rebels and uh and the Force Awakens. That's correct. Yeah, yeah there was some story and not story elements. I think there was Shit! What was it? They were revealing something in Rebels that was going to turn up later in the fort. Was it Force Healing that they did in Rebels that was going to show up later?
1: No, that was uh that was Mandalorian. They did the Force Healing. In oh, Mandalorian, that's right. So that that's it would right. Explain her Rise of Skywalker ability.
0: There was something similar though, where they were de- debuting something in Rebels yeah. that was going to pertain to the movies. I don't remember. Oh, the cross
1: the cross bladed lightsaber. Ezra oh, that's the green. Yeah, cross, that's right. Uh, cross grip right. lightsaber, and it's a, he refers to it as an ancient, or Kanan refers to it as an ancient style of yeah the design is the temple and so there you go that's what right. that was. so
0: Woo-hoo. getting getting back to the episode standing there on the bridge you know we have the two uh jedi generals standing there and of course you know cartoon pacing we got to keep things moving they get a uh, they get a transmission and it's uh it's admiral yularan who up until this point admiral yularan has been the uh He's been the commander of Anakin's naval forces throughout the yep. entire Clone Wars. We're going to see him again later in Rebels 2. He actually takes a different position, which is, is kind of mm-hmm. weird because it's almost a demotion, but, well, it is a demotion <laughs> 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 to go from adm- Admiral to Colonel um, yeah. to transfer from the Navy to the Army, but that's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Yularen calls up and uh, he says, you know, you need you need to come in, you've got a transmission. And it's it's interesting because they use the word they they talk about calling on a on the the frequency as fulcrum and yeah. fulcrum is kind of an interesting thing because later on in rebels as the rebels crew are are getting they get some mysterious help from this mysterious agent who goes by the name of fulcrum and we find out later on that that in fact is Ahsoka Tano. right but at this point, Anakin's, because they refer to this, the, the fulcrum thing as being like Anakin's like secret frequency. And so yes. Anakin automatically jumps to, is it Saw Gerrera? Right. Uh, a character. That, yeah, that go ahead. Is
1: fulcrum at this point.
0: Yeah. So, you know, Saw Gerrera who, uh, if you don't, if you've never watched Clone Wars, you might be familiar with Saw Gerrera, uh, in his appearance in Star Wars Rogue One as portrayed by, uh, Forrest Whitaker. Mm-hmm. But he's actually a Clone Wars character who appeared much, much sooner, and he's considerably younger. So, um, like almost he, you'd say he's unrecognizable in Clone Wars, like the yes. the evolution yeah. of that character, right? Mm-hmm. So he automatically jumps to is it Saw Gerrera, and it, and it's like no, it can't be. It refers to the Siege of Onderon must be uh, taking a turn for the worse, but uh, Yularen, uh clarifies, no, it's not Saw Gerrera, and you'd be better better off for them to come and take the the call back on their ship that's right so we skip ahead and we've got uh anakin and obi-wan basically get back to the ship and they essentially bust into the to the comms area of their ship and we see you facing them and and he's engaged in a hollow transmission with uh two two people and uh it's pretty obvious, even though it's in that holographic blue. It's it's right. pretty obvious who it is, and uh, you know the 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 two figures turn and we see that it's uh, it's katan and Ahsoka, yes. and there's this this recognition of like, "Hello, Master. It's been a while." I think that's exactly what she says to him.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So that kind of brings us to this like conjunction where in preparation for our show, we're like, wait a minute. Um, mm-hmm. We need to really dig down uh, and and sort of explore how did we get here? Because if you're a Clone Wars fan, if you're not a Clone Wars fan, this may become as a shock to you, but there's a point in the story where Ahsoka leaves the Jedi Order, and that's pretty pivotal to her character development and and why she is who she is and why she operates the way that she does. And then to have her standing there with Bo Katan, there there's a whole other element there that sort of <laughs> yeah we need to sort of talk about in order to to sort of come back to where we are. How did we get here? And I think if we if we don't talk about that, it just kinda I mean, obviously the best thing for you guys to do is to go back and watch these episodes for yourself. But for those of you who are just kind of along for the ride with us, we'll take a few minutes, we're gonna talk a little bit about that. Perfect. And uh I want to go back to uh, season five when we thought the show was over. So back in season five, there uh, we're going to go back as far as uh, season five, episode 14, this one's called eminence. And uh, it's important to go back and, and sort of watch these because it's going to give you that context of what's going on down the road uh, where we are in season seven. But eminence picks up with, uh, it actually opens with Darth Maul, or Maul as he's known at this point, because he's no longer uh, a Sith apprentice. Maul and his brother Savage Opress. Now they're they're basically floating in space in a lifeboat. I guess it is
1: essentially a lifeboat.
0: Yeah, they're they're near death. Life support is failing. You can see that they're starting to freeze, and the next thing you know, they're getting rescued. But it's who is rescuing them that that is the important part, because as we see the the hole get cut open and the, the piece of metal falls away. It's uh it's a Mandalorian, and he's he just cut through the hole with the darksaber. Yes. Yeah, so uh, surprise. Uh Maul and Savage get rescued by none other than Pre Vizla, Bo Katan, mm-hmm. Ursa Wren, mm-hmm. and other members of the Death Watch. That's correct. So for those of you who've been following the show all along and, and watching The Mandalorian. This should be triggering something for you. <laughs> <laughs> it Certainly should. Yeah, so Previsla who essentially was uh in his organization the Death Watch they were banished to uh one of the moons of um of uh Concordia, the moon of Mandalore. Uh basically ousted a, from Mandalorian society as the the new pacifist movement led by Bo-Katan's sister, the Lady or the Duchess Satine essentially took over. Right. So a, and we can tea-
1: we'll remind people that Pre Vizsla would be the uh, the rightful heir to the throne of Mandalore based on the lore of the Dark Saber. That's right, yeah. because it was belonged to his ancestor, ancient ancient ancestor,
0: Tar Vizsla,
1: Tar Vizsla, who was the only Mandalorian to ever be a Jedi. That's right, and that when he died, the the Jedi kept his saber in sort of honor of him, and that that members of his family. Entered the Jedi Temple and like, essentially uh, on a strike mission, invaded it, stole the saber, and fled back to Mandalore where it was passed down father to son all the way to pre-Vizsla. That's right. It's now sort of this de facto ruler of a movement that's trying to take over Mandalore that has switched from this warrior caste to this more peaceful, neutral system. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, Pre
0: pre Vizla and the Death Watch really uh, espouse sort of the virtue of the Mandalorian creed that essentially uh, Din Djarin and uh, and the Covert uh, sort of adhere to the idea of the the warrior culture. Although they've taken it to that extra step and they've added that stuff, you know, don't take your helmet off and all that other crap, which we figure kind of boiled down to the fact that you're running out of people and if you can't replenish your numbers with naturally born mandalorians then you got to pick That's them right. up somewhere else right
1: and but it, anyway it is death watch that rescues That's right. din jar in the show
0: so it is it's important too uh it's going to come sort of later on in the, in the story but satine and her pacifist movement it's important to the story because throughout the clone wars you know we typically uh, throughout the show we get this perspective of you're either part of the republic or you're part of the confederacy of independent systems. But we forget sometimes that much like Switzerland, there are a bunch of neutral systems. And so Mm -hmm. at this point in the story, the Duchess Satine and Mandalore essentially represent and lead a coalition, I think of 1500 neutral worlds that do not want to be involved in the war.
1: That's right. Basically Mandalore is the the lead world of this coalition of neutral
0: systems. That's right. Mm. So, when they rescue the the brothers, they take them back to, and I'm not, is it Concordia that they take them to? Anyway, they take, they take place. them to a, their camp essentially and uh, nurse them back to health. And then they hatch this, this scheme where they figure out, they kind of suss each other out, you know, where Maul right. is like, you know, what is it you seek? And, and, uh, you know, Pre Vizsla is on the nose. He's like power, revenge. Yeah. You know, they
1: repair his legs? They, they do, repair, yeah. They repair Savage's arm, or uh, Savage loses his arm.
0: They give him a pretty uh, basic cybernetic prosthesis, you know, but it's uh, very much in line with sort of other stuff we've seen in Star Wars, very droid-looking. Yes. Does Maul have his human humanoid legs at this point, or are these given, given to him in this one?
1: He's got, like, the hybrid legs at the beginning of this scene.
0: Yeah, and... Like the spider uh, legs,
1: Previsla says, "Fix this one's legs and do what you can for this one." Right, and that it's after that that he has the humanoid, more humanoid, yeah, style robotic legs that we see in uh, not
0: the the claw solo. tipped ostrich, Sorry. reversed chicken leg legs right. that he had for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, okay. So, in this whole like conversation, trying to figure each other out, and they both essentially want the same thing. They they both crave power, and they both crave revenge for different reasons. Previsla on one hand, he feels the need to restore Mandalore to its former warrior ways. And of course, Maul is wanting revenge on Obi-Wan Kenobi for, you know, because that's his driving force and has been since his return, right? Right. But the only way that they can do that is to form an alliance because Previsla does not have enough manpower to just effectively stage a, a military coup. He can't mm-hmm. do it. But he doesn't have the the wherewithal or the influence to go out and and uh, and build an army. So that's where Maul hatches this scheme to essentially turn to the, the crime syndicates of the galaxy and basically, you know, join us <laughs> or be destroyed, which is pretty consistent with him as well, right?
1: Absolutely. And it sets up his where he is when we see him in Solo at the end in that little reveal.
0: Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, you get this cool little... I don't want to call it a montage because it's a little bit the, the scene plays out a little bit longer but we see Maul and Savage and the Death Watch the key players of Death Watch in sequence they go and they visit the Black Sun which yes. if you're familiar with Star Wars Legends was the crime syndicate mm-hmm. run by Sheezor uh, who was a a, a a rival for Vader
1: in the whole Shadows of the Empire yeah. uh, property, which was their first sort of multimedia stab at things, it was a game, it was a novel, it was comics, it was never a film, but it was some quality stuff.
0: As we had uh, and said, I um, this
1: is the canonization of that uh, of the black to, yeah their, uh, yeah yeah for sure it is that race yeah
0: the Falline as they are as the they were referred to yeah as we said before they Shadows of the Empire they called it the the movie without a movie. Yeah, it's kind of how they referred to it at at least. good film. if you guys don't know that yeah. property. It's yeah, hella yeah. good dash Rendar. So we we essentially bring the the Faline into uh, uh into the fold and then it's like, okay, we've got an army now and and uh, of course, Mauls like you're thinking too small. <laughs> and so they go <laughs> they move on to the next one and they they go and they visit another crime family, the Pikes. And the Pikes are a little different in that you know, where where Black Sun is more of a of like a smugglers movement, uh the pikes are spice runners. Yeah. So I mean
1: you analogous for drug dealers.
0: Essentially, yeah. yeah. So, you know, we've got we've got some muscle, we've got some more muscle in the pikes, and then the last the last group that we go to visit, the huts. And they actually go to Nalhata uh to try and bring the, the hut clans into uh into the fold, and they basically or like whatever, they're not going to do it, and so the the brothers essentially kill most of the the clan leaders, but a few of them escape, and so they track them back to Jabba's palace on Tatooine. Get a um, little
1: cool uh Dengar here, actually. You do, yeah, the yeah. that's protecting them. I can't recall one of my favorites, and I, I can never remember his name with the big hat, uh, sort of. Oh, that's guy. right. It never speaks the samurai style hat.
0: I can't remember his name, but he has this yeah. wicked scene where for a while he goes toe to toe with Savage. Uh, with sauvage like uses yeah. his hat like a kind of like steve rogers and the and the captain america shield hell yeah yeah it's a pretty cool sequence but eventually it all kind of goes to pot and so the in this like kind of throwback moment to return of the jedi you get the translator droid you know who basically says the mighty jabba agrees to join you yes. so now we have the death watch who's being, you know, uh, kind of the strings are being pulled by Maul have mm-hmm. now basically gone to the three most powerful criminal elements in this, the known star Wars galaxy and have brought them together under one banner, which we eventually learn is the shadow collective that mm-hmm. he will later go on to, to rule far after the clone wars. As you say, when we see him in solo, that's where he's. has Dawn. Yeah. Crimson Dawn. Now, Crimson Dawn. Now, is that just a rebranding of the Shadow Collective?
1: I believe so. I believe Crimson Dawn is his organization, like the red specifically, light. specifically. Crimson yeah. Dawn. Yeah, yeah. that kind of makes sense. It's definitely the first time it's ever used, and it's only sort of used. I mean, you you, you you're led to believe that it's all Dryden Voss until the the sneaky reveal at the end. But yeah, um, so it's possible that I, I think it's an it would be an overarching title. You know what I mean? Like like the Shadow Collective. I don't think it's. Just Dryden Voss's little, uh, you know, because there's the the branding and the, the 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 signet ring and all that. So I I feel like it's a broader, broader sense. The maybe is on
0: maybe. Yeah. I noticed there's a there's a moment there in the in those episodes in this particular arc where Maul is like, he's sort of a, you know enraptured with the uh, the the visual the um, the pattern on the the Death Watch helmet, how it has mm-hmm. that. Spiky look, <laughs> you know what That's I mean. Right. Where That's he right. kind of like sees that, and he's kind of fascinated by that. And sure enough, later on, when we see when they uh, when they when the Death Watch rebrands themselves, they take that a step further, and then they start you know putting horns on their helmets. That, yeah, that, the Maul Delorians, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so now we've got our army, and uh, this is where things get kind of cool. Like people really hate on the Phantom, uh, the Phantom Menace. Because of the uh, the political uh, side of that, and and you know, lots of people have joked about who wants to watch a you know a two and a half hour movie about politics. And I'm that guy in the corner who puts his hand up. Uh, yeah, that's me. Yeah, I would
1: love to see. I would yeah. love to sit on a, in a senate meeting. <laughs> I, I
0: want to know what's going on. Yeah, but you kind of get this like. This story arc actually plays into sort of the, the politicking of the galaxy, at least, you know, where Mandalore and the independent systems or the neutral systems are, are concerned. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's really cool how they set this whole thing up because they come up with this plan where they're going to basically invade the capital city and they're going to basically set loose their army of criminals to do that for them. But what they don't they don't tell you right away is that we're going to set up, the death watch to come out looking like the heroes of this, because basically Maul has promised pre Vizsla, the rulership of, uh, of Mandalore, but essentially he's going to, he's going to maintain control of uh, the criminal element. And they're going to be in the background pulling the strings. And he basically tells him that on the nose, that that's what's going to happen.
1: Yeah. And it mirrors the, uh, Marvel comics arc, uh, after the civil war stories to in the comics anyway, where the government hires super villains. Yeah. Uh, to and so and then to set up the idea that these supervillains are now good guys, they orchestrate other supervillains that stage attacks on New York City and all the other Marvel locations, and then these other supervillains come in dressed like former superheroes, but they're you know like uh, Norman Osborn is the uh, Captain America, yeah. Iron Man looking thing, the Iron Patriot, and so it's the it's a similar aesthetic where you're setting up the bad guys to be the the foils for the batter guys.
0: Yeah. 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 And they, they pull it off too. So you have this attack from the, the black sun, the pikes and the hut forces. They attack the capital city and you know, the, uh, the, the security forces are unable to repel them. But in this like twist, you get the death watch shows up and they kind of do the, Hey, it's us. And you know, we're Mandalorians too. And we're going to save mm-hmm. you. And they, right. and they do that. And that creates this opportunity where finally, you know, Pre Vizsla gets his chance sort of at the podium to, you know, appeal to the people. And uh, he whips the the crowd into this, you know, this fervored, you know, pitch where they're, they're totally behind them. And, and he basically comes out smelling like a rose.
1: Exactly. And you do get a sense here in these scenes too, that there are Mandalorians that don't just run around wearing armor all the time.
0: No, especially you the this,
1: feel like that, and the whole rest of Star Wars. No, that I know. This planet full of people in armor. Uh, so, and and I, the other thing I noticed was they're very blonde and blue-eyed sort of race. <laughs> yeah, there is <laughs> you know a lot that? of that. Like yeah, they like heavily slanted that direction. Yeah, um, but that the like even the police had a different style helmet, and the royal guard around Satine had a different style helmet. So there was, you know, there's more going on on Mandalore. It's much more eclectic, and and so I think you're seeing. The the Mandalorian armor that we put the air quotes around, the Boba Fett, the the, that's right. armor, the Django Fett armor is more of a an elitist cast armor almost.
0: I think it goes back into that, you know, the warrior culture that at, at one time, right. I think because Satine and her pacifist movement has sort of turned away from that, I think that that's, that's her way of like, we don't dress like that anymore because we don't live right. like that.
1: So and I, it certainly looks like they have like when you see in Rebels later, and I'm going off topic, but sure. when you see Sabine Wren's mother and brother, and they're wearing the the ornate gold leadership armor, it's it's like they have different armors for different occasions almost.
0: Almost, you you see that to some degree later on with Almec.
1: Yes, with yes, his Almecs wh- where crazy he, cool armor later. Yeah,
0: you see Almec later on, and you almost think, God, he looks like he looks like Boba Fett, like cleaned up. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Gold trim yeah, and all this crazy. With yeah, the yeah, yeah.
0: uh the the braided it's not the it's not the Wookiee braids that you know we see right. like Boba wearing, but it's like the the gold braid that a military officer wears around their arm. Mm-hmm. But that's for later. Yeah so basically we have Previsla who's propped up as the uh essentially the the hero of the day mm-hmm. and uh they they basically side with him. And so I can't remember exactly how, how it goes, how they end up basically deposing Satine and imprisoning her.
1: They, they frame her for murder. Um, oh, that's. I think Maul slays pre Vizsla Oh,
0: right, right. That's right. So a, yeah, that's, that's key. The,
1: the crowd and says, I, I'm now the rightful ruler of Mandalore. I've, 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 uh, you know. Oh, that's right.
0: So. Her, right. Yeah. So in order to get to that, we have to talk about the prison scene because that's where sure. it's all kind of comes to fruition. Because I was, I wasn't clear if if the Death Watch imprisoning the brothers was part of the plan or the plan kind of went sideways. And this was, because we know Pre Vizsla, he's not he's not keen to be second fiddle to Darth Maul. He doesn't no, want he, he wants Maul. to be right. So they get they, tossed into prison.
1: Essentially, Maul allows it too, because they they put it. He puts his own hands behind his back. He lets them take his saber. Yeah, he allows this to happen. And 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 as soon as they put him in the cell with Savage, he, he he explains why he allows it to happen.
0: That's right, because it's any like, other political diss uh, dissidents would be right. imprisoned as well. Right. So if they can get to any of those other political dissidents, then they, they need might a
1: legitimate contender for prime minister. to yeah, legitimize that's right. Their 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 attack here.
0: Absolutely. So Savage, you know, taps into his his rage uh, through the force, and they they basically shatter the prison cell that they're in. Um, I love
1: how Maul makes him do all the dirty work. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's very Emperor-like. You know, when he, uh, when Savage in, I think it's, is it in season five when he throws the lightsaber and beheads all the, no, it's this. It isn't.
0: Episode. It's in this episode.
1: Yeah. He beheads all the heads of Black Sun. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like Maul just kind of ducks down and lets him throw this double saber over yep. the head. And and uh, he's getting Savage to do all the dirty work. Well, it's important, it's important. It's
0: important to know that like he's, Maul has basically he's taken the Sith title for himself and he yeah. thinks that he's training Savage as his mm-hmm. apprentice. Right. So that's right. They are going yeah. to become the the new Sith as it were. Um, that's right. But we're going to get to that as well. And, and find <laughs> <out that laughs> so, things don't, so things don't always go as you want them to when you're a villain. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> so we bust out of our prison cell. We take a tour of the, uh, of the prison level. We have a brief fight with a few of the, the guards and it, of course they're easily disposed of and right. they actually meet Satine mm-hmm. uh, in her cell and, and uh, you know, they kind of play the whole, like, you know, we're nobody, we're just breaking out. And uh, who else is down here? And she's like, just me and, and the former prime minister Almec. Cause everyone
1: else has been killed yeah, or has disappeared or yeah.
0: Is no longer in the picture.
1: And he's no good to you because he's as corrupt and as vile as you are. That's, that's a right. great
0: line. Right. And he's like, oh, really? And he's I like, yeah. Kidding. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that piece of information. Excellent. Doctor. So, yeah. And I mean, Almec being who he is, who, you know, has already had, you know, been at odds with Satine. And, and that's why he's actually in prison for, yeah. trying, for trying to overthrow her becomes this perfect puppet for, for the brothers to manipulate and so they He's now... a bit of a
1: badass in this scene because these two Sith Lords walk in, alien Sith Lords, giant guys, like yeah. just building you know, oozing the dark side. And he calmly sits down in front of them and looks up at them to have a conversation.
0: Well, he's I mean a bit of a badass. he's also, I mean, in a prison cell, so I mean he's kinda like, What el- what else are you gonna do? <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I mean what uh, else are you he do? could show fear though, but he doesn't.
0: No, you're he right. You're right.
1: To have a con- you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: But I think you know, he's he's operating from a sense of you know, self-preservation. And and again, it yeah. comes down to this whole, you know, um, the bad guys all have this sort of similar, you know, they all kind of want what they want for themselves. And there, there's always some sort of like scheme below the surface of how they're going to get right. there. And even Almec yeah, is, double is doing that, double right? Double-cross just waiting. Yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of where he's at in this particular scene. It's like, oh, if there's a chance that I can get out of here and I can turn this around into something, okay, I'll do that. Yeah. I'll know. be a puppet I yeah. like,
1: it's, it's similar to what Pre Vizsla does he's like I'll pretend to be a puppet but really be in power and that's probably that's what Almec's right. thinking as well
0: I just don't think that I'll, I think between those two characters like if we're going to run parallels between Pre Vizsla and Almec and you can't help but do that because they do mm-hmm. operate on a similar level like Almec right. is really really the like <laughs> yeah you want to shove your hand up my butt go ahead I, here let me open my cheeks for you like he's that's he's right. totally into yeah. it whereas Pre Vizsla, like you see like there's points where they make it, you know, when he's walking away from, from his Maul, eye twitches, essentially, you know, yeah. he has that anger look or he clenches his mm-hmm. fists and you know, like, this is not sit well with him. Where all like, yeah, man, whatever you want,
1: <laughs> even before that, like, because he tells Bo Katan a few times, like, this is what this is how we're going to double cross him. And I felt like, aren't you a little close to the tent to be whispering to us about a Sith Lord? Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. what I mean? like, <laughs> isn't that guy super powerful?
0: So, here, here's where we get this sort of like. We talk about the Darksaber, and, and it's been the subject of a lot of conversation about this whole, like, how does it work, and, and what does it entail? And and this kind of lays the foundation of this whole singular combat thing where Maul, because Elmec says, how are you going to do it? Because you've just busted out of prison. What's to, what's to keep him from killing you? And Maul says, I'll challenge him to single combat, and his, uh, what does he say? I can't remember if it's his ego or if his his warrior creed will not deny me. That's right. You know, like he will, he'll do it. He'll, uh, he'll face me. Yeah. And And he says it's
1: basically for the leadership of the Death Watch, but what it, what that means is that the Death Watch is the, you know, that's the leadership of Mandalore. uh, That's right. Right. Like like they're the ruling caste.
0: But if we, if we trace that far enough back. Yeah. Yeah. If we trace it far enough back, the, the ancient warrior ways, it was a societal thing. So you have a you have a smaller uh, portion of of the society that shifts away from that, which end up becoming the majority. But you know, right. if we go far enough back, the warrior ways of Mandalore. I mean, that's that's what they're known for. I mean, they're exactly. the they're the yes. traditional enemy of the Jedi. You that's know, right. that's their their armor is meant to to uh, all the tricks are meant to combat the abilities of the Jedi. That's why they have There's all. Even- their,
1: In the episode, uh, the final episode of season five, when Maul is fighting Palpatine, there's a mural behind them carved into stone on Mandalorian. Yeah. Mandalorian's fighting Jedi in the mural. And the Jedi all have twisted faces with many eyes and their mouths are in the wrong spot. They look like Picasso characters.
0: Yeah, I think they're meant to be, you know in this, in the Mandalorian history, they're, they're vilified. They're meant to be the bad guys.
1: Exactly. And it reminded me of the way that the like Warner brothers used to draw the Japanese in world war two. Oh yeah. 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 Like really
0: exaggerated. Exactly. Exactly. So we, we have this, the, the idea of this challenge is on the, is on the table. And so finally there's this scene where they, I don't want to say they bust in, but they, they make their way up to the throne room and uh, Almec is there with them. And he, they're like, what, what the hell is going on? And then it's the brothers walk in behind them and, and essentially we have the showdown and it's, mm-hmm. you know, kill them. But then, you know, Maul screams at him, I challenge you, to, the, the rulership of the, the death watch. And
1: and there's a look of horror on Bo-Katan's face because she realizes what what's about means. to
0: happen. Yeah. Exactly. So th- it's, but this is a key point to notice there to, to point out though, like, we if you only know Bo-Katan from the Mandalorian you need to remember that she was part of Death Watch she was part of that want to restore the warrior ways so by the time we get to her in the Mandalorian like you gotta know there's been some evolution there and maybe some softening to some degree where you know she's not this she's not she calls the children of the Watch religious zealots, but let's be yeah. real—like the Death Watch, they're the zealots. No, so it's she's, true. So she's she's evolved. And look at her. She
1: could have a cushy life. Her sister is the leader of Mandalore. That's right. She could easily just kowtow and have a nice cushy life in some high political position, probably.
0: And then look at look at her contemporaries: uh, Ursa Wren, Sabine's mother. Yeah. Um, and
1: yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: So, and then of course uh, Gar Saxon, who later on will be the. Uh, he'll be the prime minister under the rule of the empire, but that's another Mm -hmm. story. So you have all these major Mandalorian players all in the room, all at the same time. And everybody's like, "Uh Oh, (laughs) right. But the only thing going, so Ursa has got this thing going for her where she's, she's a a night owl. So she's kind of already got that connection to Bo-Katan where she's maybe a little more loyal to her anyway. That's right. But we have this, this challenge is issued. And of course they, they actually go for it and they, they meet each other. Uh, in singular combat to the point where uh, is like, give him his weapon. So it's like, all right, it's on. And they have this, it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool fight. Like it's exactly what you'd expect when a Jedi and a Mandalorian face off. And you know, the, the, we run the full gamut of like tricks and, and devices and armor specialties and sure. And just... even
1: cause Maul has his own set of those tricks. Yeah. And that would be like, I could just force lightning you or force choke you, or yep. I could just rip your heart out through your chest using a yep. force. And so he makes it a fair fight.
0: Yeah, he the does. Very end and you kind of think he... for a second that like it could go either way and then mm-hmm. it, it takes a turn and then you're like, Oh no, <laughs> it's coming. at at the point where like, uh, Maul gets disarmed of his lightsaber. But so is um uh, so is Previsla, and they're kind of like, Oh, but then Maul he basically grab uh force pulls the uh the dark saber and and ends up beheading Previsla with the dark saber, yeah, very symbolic, right
1: uh, Previsla even closes his eyes and knows that this is it, and he says the most powerful one shall rule
0: that's right, so I mean he's and he's okay with it, he's he resolved, just... yeah,
1: yes he is yeah,
0: he's a clean. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah well no there is a lot of analogous yeah in it's true klingons and mandalorians it's actually. so
0: true yeah 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 resolved to his uh fate he uh he takes it on the throat <laughs> <Certainly>. <laughs> and heads roll
1: <laughs>
0: but it, so concurrently we have this this small moment where when the brothers have left with almec there's a, another i guess you can call him a side character corky Corky, who is the nephew of Satine, shows up mm-hmm. and basically busts her out of jail. Yes. While all this stuff in the throne room is going down, he's like, we got to get out of here and and basically says, I would never turn on you, auntie. And Have you uh,
1: seen the fan theory? I, uh, Lauren pointed it out. I had never heard it. It's like a TikTok fan theory and I Googled it and I found it. And what's it's that? It's the theory that that corky is the illegitimate child of obi-wan and Satine.
0: oh my god
1: and i was like he's not skilled like he would have force abilities he's not you would nearly think. cool enough to be that but
0: yeah he,
1: he shared as an adult now that we see him as an adult he shares some similarities facially to obi-wan i, guess. I can sort of see why some people are like yeah maybe
0: oh <laughs> kind of funny kind of funny it is it's funny and i'm going to leave it on that level because <laughs> if yeah. i take any, yeah. any more than yeah. that i'm going to get angry <laughs> Uh, yeah. So they bust Satine out and, uh, essentially, you know, she makes a play of, we have to get help. And it's like, we can't call anybody because there's a comms lockdown and, and everything is scrambled. So we've got to get out of the city in order to make any, any sort of call whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So they do, they smuggle her out of the city, or at least they try to and they get her, like, to the to the loading dock or to the... To, That's right. Yeah, to they get her to the landing platform just outside the, yeah. the walls of the city where she's able to get off a quick uh, transmission, and she calls Obi-Wan Kenobi directly. Mm-hmm. You know, You're my only hope. Yeah, essentially. Mm-hmm. Which is cool because that sort of fulfills this, from the perspective of, you know, Maul, who wants power and revenge, it sets everything up where it's like, oh, well, if Kenobi's coming, then I'm going to be able to get my my revenge that way right but here's the thing right obi-wan isn't uh he's not able to you know to to sanction that as a as a mission right because it's you know Mandalore's a neutral world and he's a he's a general in the grand army of the republic and he's got duty right. and all these other things that he's not allowed to do
1: this is sort of where they explain where the politics actually comes into focus and starts to make a lot of sense here what they they say you know like you can't take a clone army with you to mandalore they're a neutral country yeah you can't just walk into you can't uh, invade spain, them <laughs> right? you just can't stage troops in spain and hope that everything's going to be okay that's right it's going to cause huge problems so the the you know it's it really does help to define the galaxy and you get the sense that there are four four factions in the entire galaxy there are the, the there's the republic backed by the jedi yeah they're the the separatists there's the neutral countries and then uh, led by the Mandalorians and there's the crime families. That's right. And, and it really sets up the world in a sort of a nice, neat package. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's really, I I love the fact that
0: uh, it's like that. Yeah. I like the idea that, that we get to explore the relationship with Obi-Wan and Satine a little more, even though it, it ends tragically. Yes. They talk about, it's not really explored very much in the series, but there's some other, There's some other media that talk about it. Back when Obi-Wan was an apprentice and Qui-Gon was still alive, they spent three years on Mandalore. Yeah,
1: Yeah. which is weird because he has no idea that Bo-Katan is her sister. Is
0: her sister. How do you not know that? Well,
1: maybe she's been estranged for a very long time.
0: Well, maybe the the Death Watch has been operating on Concordia, and that's why it was never brought up, because Bo-Katan was seen as the black sheep of the family.
1: Sure. And I also had looked at Lauren and I said, maybe she was the
0: redheaded stepchild. Oh, literally redheaded. That's funny. Yeah. So, I mean, this whole idea of like attachments being forbidden to the Jedi order and the, and the dogmatic rigidity of the Jedi order is really contrasted here with the humanity of like people are people and you're going to love who you love. And so, you know, there's, you know, you get this sense of like, uh, Satine and, and Obi-Wan, it was the, the forbidden relationship that could never happen. But you do get this sense of like, something did happen. They're not telling yeah. us, but something did happen. And they, yes. they have parted ways semi amicably, maybe. Yeah,
1: And so much so that people were speculating that Ray might be the love child. Yeah. Of, of, you know, like when the first, the Force Awakens first came out, because people were like just looking for any connection they could find. And there was, there was a natural one with unanswered questions. right Even,
0: there. uh, something I read recently with, uh, an interview with, uh, Daisy Ridley was talking about sort of, we had talked about this before because when the uh, Force Awakens came out, Daisy Ridley, after the movie was over, was very mm-hmm. public in saying like, she knows where she came from. Wasn't it yes. obvious to everybody else? Yes. and all these fan theories going around, and and I was a big proponent of she's a Kenobi.
1: Yes, me too. I was a
0: huge proponent of that, and then because of the the uh, missteps between the story group and the whole the the inconsistencies, flipping directors and and turning tropes on their on their ear. Yes, that threw all of that out. I but think who she knows? came out in
1: an article and admitted that originally she was supposed? to be
0: Yeah, an so there was. Yeah, in this interview, she talked about originally there was a Kenobi connection,
1: and yes. I'm like, oh,
0: that would have been so awesome. But so awesome. Anyway, she even
1: fights with his style a little bit.
0: Yeah, to some degree, she does, of course. So we have this this contrasting thing where it's like the the dogmatic Jedi way versus Obi Wan's feelings, and in this case, you, we were reminded that. You know Obi Wan. Uh, you know they talk about his impetuousness as being a, when he was a young apprentice, and we saw that in the Phantom Menace where he was way more cocky. It just reminds us that you know, above everything else, he's still human. That's right. And so he goes. He goes without sanction. He goes without approval. He takes it on his own to go. And in some ways, he has this Anakin Skywalker moment where it's like I'm leading with Hell my yeah. I'm leading with my heart.
1: Hell yeah! And you where know? did Anakin learn it?
0: Of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: So he goes. He takes. Oh my god. What's the name of that ship? The they started the one that they got in the uh, uh, the theatrical.
1: Yeah, I can't remember. Because they I stopped. They yeah. stopped
0: using it. It just disappeared after a while. So yeah. by the time we see Obi Wan, t- he's like he even makes a point to say this is the last time I borrow a ship for Mannequin. because the thing <laughs> has fallen into disrepair. Like stuff right. isn't working. He's smashing controls. Like come on. Yeah. But he goes independently. And when he gets there, the first thing he does is he subdues, uh, what a super commando. Yeah. He's and, dressed in uh, his
1: Rocco Hardeen costume, I think.
0: Yeah. Essentially. And then he essentially <laughs> yeah. impersonates, uh, uh, a Mandalorian to get to her. And, and, uh, I can't remember exactly how that went.
1: Oh, he, no. uh, he comes out, he's dressed as Racco Hardeen, the, uh, bounty hunter he impersonates in season four or five. Right. And, the guy asks him if he's got his papers. He said, "Oh, of course I got my papers. They're just in here in the ship." And oh, a scene right, hearing right. "A New Hope," the Mandalorian now dressed in red, the Mauldorian. That's right. Yeah, uh, follows him up the ship. You hear a boom, boom, and yeah, out, out comes Obi Wan. He doesn't even have the helmet on yet, so that you know that's right. Because <laughs> if yeah, yeah. you know, you might have thought Obi Wan got knocked out <laughs> by the guy. So then he puts the helmet on, jumps on a transport, off he goes into the facility.
0: That's right. So basically, this makes his way what to the throne room. And we get to the throne, throne. yeah, goes literally straight to the throne room, busts in, and then we have this like, this is where things get really, really tragic because you've got everybody, again, all the key players are in the room and, uh, you know, uh, you've got, now has, has Maul made his declaration yet that he's going to be the supreme ruler?
1: I believe so. I right. mean, he might make it at the beginning of this. Oh,
0: that's no. He did because by this time, Bo-Katan has left. He that's did right. as soon yeah, as he, yeah, because as soon yeah. as he beheaded uh, Pre-Vizsla, he basically, in this like triumphant moment where he's like, ah, "I'm gonna be and I will be the ruler," and yeah. Bo-Katan is like, "No, she's completely horrified." An off-worlder will
1: never rule man That's right. That's her line. That's yeah. her
0: line. And so she and uh, a few others make a break for it, and they they DD Mao to get the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's sort of this crossover moment where they're fleeing and Obi-Wan shows up. And there's a there's a moment where there's a, there's a bit of a fight, and, you know, it's... <laughs> For a guy who wants revenge, he sure picks an interesting way to to show it. Because you think, all right, well, this is your opportunity. You can just slay Obi Wan and be done with it. But he doesn't want to kill him. He wants uh, he wants Obi Wan to uh, to suffer, and he does that by uh, essentially killing Satine with the dark saber.
1: Oh, he grabs drives it. her with the force and pulls her. From behind him and just (laughs) runs her through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't kill her right away. Like she dies in Obi Wan's arms.
0: Yeah. So and I mean he just has this look of like, oh my god, like, and he doesn't he doesn't say a word. He doesn't do the whole like you know when Qui Gon was was uh, impaled and it was the big no. There's none of that. He's just okay. This has happened. He's in a lot of ways.
1: um, This this might be what I don't know how to say this. Perfects Obi Wan. And this is the last attachment uh, attachment that he has. And, and and in doing this, it's like, it's suddenly freedom to be the Jedi. He was always meant to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think uh,
1: in in a weird way, I
0: can absolutely get behind that because I mean, if you had something, you know, like Anakin says, attachment is forbidden. and, And even Anakin, he justifies, you know, his love for Padme, you know, I would say that, you know, being a Jedi is all about loving and, and right. loving everything. Oh, he's
1: constantly trying to rationalize his non-Jedi That's idiosyncrasies. Right. That's right.
0: Yeah. You know, whereas Obi-Wan is the you know, he's trying to, he's struggling the other way. He's like, yeah. I'm yeah. having this feeling and I know that I shouldn't.
1: In some dark way, this is his his freedom. Yeah,
0: it is in, in that sense, where you know, I, you know, in his arms, in her dying her dying breaths, and she tells him, you know, because yeah. we've Satine has a a whole other arc earlier on in the series where they kind of, there's some friction there between the two of them Mm -hmm. because of him leaving.
1: It felt those early arcs felt like the, the relationship between Marion and Indy in the first movie. Yeah, very much. That's a great,
0: like this, like great analogy. I was a
1: child. You, you, you know.
0: Yeah. And it's a, it's a
1: dynamic. Yeah.
0: It's a wonderful analogy where like there's some, there's some spark there and some fire and, and he's like, but I was a Jedi and what did you, what was I supposed to do? Leave the order? Right. Or, exactly. Right. So in this moment, she, she comes clean and she tells him in her dying breath that, uh, I've always loved you and I always will, mm-hmm. you know, and then she dies. Oh, and it's so tragic. <laughs> it's so tragic. Yeah. It's so tragic. It's
1: almost a tearjerker to see. It's it's, it's very close to, to see him in that much pain and then he completely just goes inside like he's like they just grab him they strip his lightsaber off him. yeah they they just take him and his head he acquiesces to the whole i'm arrested now i mean certainly yeah. he's got a plan but yeah. he hangs his head the whole time he's not you know he's playing the role completely defeated and he's giving maul exactly what maul thinks that he has that's right you're listening to fandom power
0: So now we've got Maul, and we've got Almec, and Obi Wan is now uh, uh, is a prisoner, and they they put Almec up uh, in front of the the citizens of the of the city, and he's like, I know that you know we've had a checkered past because you know he was at one point uh, you know he overthrew Satine to become the prime minister, and that's right. he's like, but I, I you know I pledge. Oh, that's this is where he accuses uh, Satine of murdering Pre Vizsla. That's right. Who now, because of what he did before, is this hero, to the uh, people's hero, right? So you've just murdered, you know, if Satine's murdered our our folk hero and now she's dead, and, right? They know,
1: executed. He said, doesn't he say they executed her for for murdering Previsla or something? Yeah, like some that.
0: treasonous or something. That's right. But basically says, you know, I promise that I will always put the in, the interests of of Mandalore before everything else, and we will never be. Yeah. Basically says we'll never be weak again, and we'll always be essentially powerful, which is essentially what Brevisla wanted to begin with to return, right. return Mandalore to their warrior ways, which they do through Almec and Maul. Yeah, but anyway, he does Obi Wan. He does get uh, busted out uh, at some point, and uh, oh, I can't remember how they do it, but. Anyway, he does make believe, it.
1: Yeah, because she gives him a, ba- a jet pack at one point. bo gives him a jet pack and says, do you know how to use one of these? And he this says, something no, but in this. I do today.
0: It, no, I haven't. But in this case, I'm a fast learner. Yeah. And they fly yeah. off. But um, that's right. he kind of questions that whole, why are you helping me? Because I think he sees her as just a member of the Death Watch. And it's not until the very end where they're having this conversation where he's like, you're her sister, aren't you?
1: Yeah, uh, I don't believe we've met. And then she introduces herself and that's, yeah.
0: Yeah, and then they they go to leave, and I don't remember how they get off the planet because the ship gets destroyed. But um it's not as important to the whole to what we're talking about today as that right. this stuff happens. So I guess the short ver uh to sort of summarize everything is like you needed to know this to understand where we're at with with Bo Katan and how she's now she's no longer a part of the Death Watch and she's she's trying to essentially this basically starts her crusade to liberate the planet. And that is going to turn out to, to go on for decades because the entire reign of the empire, we have Almak now in, uh, Almac is now the, the shadow, uh, prime minister with mall, pulling the, the strings from behind and That's running, correct. running the, the shadow collective as it were. So everybody's kind of got what they want. Oh, you know what? That's how the escape is. That's that's how they orchestrated because at this point, yeah, huge plot uh, plot piece here. While all of this stuff is going on on Coruscant, Chancellor Palpatine has a uh, he can sense a disturbance in the Force. That's right, and he says, "Ready my ship." And so mm-hmm. Palpatine basically comes to uh, Mandalore to deal with Maul, who he up until now I don't think was really aware was still alive and and causing chaos for him, but. That's right. And they have this whole, like, Maul basically instantly recognizes him as his master and quickly, you know, cows to him, oh, master. But Palpatine will I've have
1: done it. all this in your honor. I've done this all for you in hopes of returning to your side.
0: Right, and he will have none of it because he says, no. you, you aren't a student. You're a rival. You're a rival. You've become a rival. And so, uh, knocks him down a peg and, and, uh, kills Savage Opress. Right. Uh, rather handily, I might add. And we see a lot of, like, This is a pretty awesome lightsaber fight by the Emperor. Mm. It makes the one in Revenge of the Sith look like nothing, really.
1: It's silly. He he dual wields.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very similar
1: to Savage Ventress.
0: Yeah. So cool scene where uh, Savage is killed, and then uh, in a twist of, like, you think that the Emperor would, you know, just take him out, but he's like, no, I have other plans for you. Uh, And that's kind of where the episode uh, ends. That's right. And as we, as you had said uh, to me, sort of uh, offline, that you know he goes on to have uh, this whole other uh, thing happen to him. But is it really imp- It's not really important to the to what it's we're just, talking about.
1: In terms of how he's back on Mandalore suddenly, yeah. Um, in terms of what's going to happen later on in this, that's right. Uh, arc. It, I can touch on it real quick. Essentially, um, he's taken prisoner by by the Emperor, yeah. and the Emperor just is interested in torturing him just yeah. bringing him pain uh and he parades dooku in front of him like i'm your new uh this, I'm is, your the, replacement. this is your replacement yeah. and you're, you're nothing and i'm just gonna let you watch as our old plan unfolds without you involved essentially oh wow but then then we uh we get introduced to gar saxon that's right and uh this is this is actually where you're introduced to gar saxon and gar saxon at the behest of all uh yeah Breaks Maul out of this prison facility, and it's quite the little adventure. They, yeah, you know they have quite a bunch of clones and and things, and they return. and And I'd I'd mentioned this to you before. It was like so strange. Why would they just give? Why they just give Maul? it back to him? Yeah.
0: Why yeah, would yeah. they just?
1: Why wouldn't Almack take the 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 saber or what have you? And but they return it to Maul because he's rightfully the he he won it in combat. This so is kind of a loyalty. In combat, right? Maybe it's a loyalty so that, thing as well. It ties right into the, the the idea from the Mandalorian show that yeah, the the rightful owner of the sword has to win it. win it in combat yeah yeah and so they return they and they just they basically the whole comic Son of Dathomir is about Maul being broke out of prison having the sword returned to him and then returning to Mandalore and Interesting. that's where we find him in season seven
0: yeah so. That basically sets up where each of those uh, those players are by the time we get to them back in season seven, and they these are major uh, sort of plot points that if you didn't really, if you didn't know where they were coming from, it d- wouldn't have the same impact. Right, right. So that brings us back to uh, to old friends not forgotten back in season seven, and and we get this the message that uh, has just come in uh, from Ahsoka, and and it's again Ahsoka and Bocatan who are basically, they tell Anakin and Obi-Wan that they've located Maul. And they say that if they move swiftly, they can capture him. So Anakin and and, um, Obi-Wan and R2-D2 basically uh, enter the hangar on the the carrier, and they basically say that, um, they talk about if if Ahsoka had not left the the Jedi Order, then she wouldn't have been where she needed to be in order to uh, be on the tail of Maul. Right. But Obi-Wan, he says, well, that's one way of looking at it. And Anakin, he basically says, well, that's the only way to look at it. And, uh, you know, that they'll finally capture Maul.
1: And this was always meant to be.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so basically, you know, know, Anakin is a little bit sort of, you know, like, what? Like, he doesn't understand that Obi-Wan's not as amped up about this as he is. Like, this is a good thing. Like, hey, we're about to catch this guy. This is a great thing. Yeah, yeah but Obi-Wan is, is
1: pretty cold in these, in these scenes. Too. Well, like this he, is it too, right? Very distant. Like he's, he wants to be like, Hey, right. <laughs> How's and it going? He, How you been? And she's like, not now master. We have to deal with this problem.
0: That's right. And, and Obi-Wan is way more measured and, and he's very much masterly the way that we see him through most of, of revenge of the Sith. So we have a Mandalorian shuttle that kind of shows up on the, uh, on the star destroyer. And sure enough, they, uh, open up the uh, the gangplank and there it is. And it's, uh, it's Bo-Katan and Ahsoka and they've come to basically lay out uh, what's going on.
1: And it, I like this outfit for Ahsoka the best. Um, she's got elements of Beskar armor. She's got arm bracers. Yeah. And a few other, a few other little sort of Mandalorian twists. She spent significant time here.
0: Well, this is it too. Like when Ahsoka left the order, we don't get a real sense of like, how long has it been uh, since we've seen her? So, I mean, I kind of, I kind of, you know, take the events of that, those season five episodes as being what, at least a few days, if not a couple of, you know, weeks, maybe that this has sort of occurred over.
1: That's right. I would think so. And then that, that might've even been as much as six months in the past from this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So this is the first time that, uh, Anakin has seen her. Mm -hmm. well, the hollow was the first time he saw her since she left the order. Um, and I guess we, we should probably talk a little bit about what led up to Ahsoka, uh, leaving the order. And I don't think we have to spend a whole lot of time on it, but just enough to, to sort of set the the tone for why this, this face-to-face meeting, this is, it's difficult for everybody involved on a bunch of levels.
1: So real briefly, there was a bombing at the Jedi temple. Yes. And for whatever reason, and I believe it was because that they could the Jedi that were at the temple were being. It was widely rumored that it was a Jedi that was involved, so they wanted a Jedi that wasn't there to take the lead on the, the investigation. And I tend to believe they picked Anakin because he they know that in their hearts of hearts he's the most powerful of their order at this time. And so they assign Anakin and Ahsoka to investigate the bomb. There's sort of a crime drama. They find out that the bomb was set by. Anyways, it, it becomes strongly implied that Ahsoka was the bomber. And then there's a, they, 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 they capture the leading suspect and the leading suspect talks to Ahsoka in her chamber and some outside force, force chokes the, the woman and Ahsoka is there on camera. Yep. Uh, waving her arms in the air trying to help her. And, but it looks very much in the hollow without sound that, yeah, uh, chokes her she's expelled from the, the Jedi order because um, of that very yeah. rapidly. But, and then she's actually tried by the Republic and uh Tarkin is like the, the crazy <laughs> judge or whatever that's going yeah, on here. He's the prosecutor. may is her, her, the uh, defendant, her the, lawyer. The lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, just at the, the, the zero hour, they're about to convict her and uh who knows what the conviction will be. Uh, it's treason, and it's a whole bunch of other horrible. Like yeah, Tarkin is execution. basically
0: he's asked for the death penalty.
1: That's right, and yeah. then Anakin shows up with the you know with the, the actual killer, and he's discovered that it's Barisofi. Yeah, Barisofi, uh,
0: the the Padawan, the Padawan. of um, of Luminara Unduli
1: right and she's taken up a, and it's a very cool arc too like uh i just going over it very quickly but and she has taken Saj Ventress's sabers and yeah she actually duels anakin quite death like like oh, yeah she's a pretty powerful jedi she, she is. manages to force choke somebody at remotely yeah uh, so she's turned to the dark side as well and so yeah that's in a nutshell at that point they forgive her yoda even says you're welcome back on the council we're really sorry we didn't trust you and she's yeah. like you know what like at her core, Barriss is correct. This, this order is broken. Yeah, that's right. You're, because you're, in, you're, you all don't even realize how broken it is. And I need to just, I need in to the, space.
0: In the trial, she essentially, um, she has an outburst in the trial where she talks about that the Jedi order has become militant and she's like fallen, fallen away from the light that we once so cherished. And it's almost like, you know, like in, in uh in the films where Yoda talks about the dark side has clouded their ability to see that the Sith have returned? Yeah, it's so it's I'm almost talk about that for a second. It's almost like she she knows.
1: Yeah, so there's a thing in the new Charles Sewell or Sewell novel, yeah. the High Republic novel, Light of the Jedi, where a Jedi master is imprisoned by okay. a character called uh Martio Rowe. He's like a like a pirate from the unknown regions and that's the those are they're the they have this crazy way of traveling through hyperspace right instinctively and they can pop up anywhere they don't have to use the hyperspace lanes and oh wow and anyways they he imprisons a jedi and he talks about that his people his family has told him how to deal with the jedi they had all kinds of historical experience from the old republic with sure sure and that's and so this jedi is all chained up and like hollow chained up in this room and the room is ostensibly a torture chamber Okay. There's hundreds of beings being tortured in the chamber. And the guy explains to him, he goes, it's hard for you to think, isn't it? He's like gloating over the Jedi. He's like, you can't think right now. You can't even wield the force. He says, you don't imprison a Jedi in chains. You imprison them with pain. Oh yeah. And so it's, well, this is why, and it suddenly hit me like lightning. This is why Palpatine started the clone war. Right. So that pain and fear and anger would fill the galaxy. Yeah.
0: And yeah, there would yeah.
1: be. And explain, this is why the Jedi's ability is greatly diminished. And now I am so fucking excited for the High Republic because we might actually get to see if, if the things that we've seen Jedi do already are them diminished.
0: Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. You know, and it, it does, it speaks to, you know, things we've already seen too. Like when the, when Alderaan is destroyed and Obi-Wan you got to imagine that all the other Jedi that are active at that point had the similar, that similar, like, Oh, like he was lessened
1: by it. And it's not just a moment either. He, he barely can hold the lightsaber in the duel with Vader. Like he's gotta, he's gotta
0: sit down. Like he's overwhelmed with the amount of like the, you got to imagine the sheer terror and the panic on Alderaan at that moment. You know, like if that's the type of, if that's the type of, I'm going to call it feedback that they're putting yes. out into the galaxy to, yes. to cloud them ugh, on a galactic and scale.
1: For me, that's the canonization of the reason for the Clone War. Yeah. And, and it makes, it actually, it actually, it's one of those little retcons or an addendum, if you will. Right. It makes it so much more powerful.
0: You yeah, fi- yeah you,
1: you you clouded a, a Jedi with fear. That's why when they fight Sith in duels, the, the Sith are always tempting them. They're almost saying, Join me. Yeah. Like, give into your hatred, give into your fear, because they're trying to cloud the Jedi's ability to use the Force. And it makes right. so much sense. And I can't wait to see what a Jedi can do without that cloud over them. Oh, my yep. goodness. Yeah. Crazy.
0: This episode of Fandom Power is brought to you in part by collectorsplatoon.ca collectorsplatoon.ca Organizers of the annual Toronto Collector's Platoon Toy Show. Check out collectorsplatoon.ca, the Canadian home of Ian's display accessories. Specializing in action figure stands for figures of all scales. Visit collectorsplatoon.ca today. So back in the, uh, the hangar, we've got this moment where they have this conversation about, uh, you know, wanting to go after Maul. And that uh, they've been, or Bo-Katan says that they've been tracking Maul for several months. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's been a while.
1: That's right. You're right.
0: Yeah. And then she, she goes on to add that she got some uh, transmission codes from the Pikes when she was on Obadiah in the, uh, in the uh, arc that preceded this one. That's right. So then, you know, uh, and Anakin says, well, what were you doing on Obadiah?" And then Ahsoka is like, well, that's a long story and it's not really relevant, Mm -hmm. Um, which is funny because. She never, (laughs) she never gets to recount that story. And when you think about it, this moment in the hangar that they that they're having is actually the last time that Ahsoka is going to see Anakin Skywalker. As this is the moment she tells Rex
1: about. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly.
1: Or I think that's Ezra. Actually, that was the last time I ever saw him when Ezra finds the Hollow of him doing the lightsaber forms.
0: Right. So we know
1: she mentions that was the last time that she ever saw him before the war started or for just before the war ended.
0: That's right. Yeah. As Anakin Skywalker and not, uh, Darth Vader. But we know that, um, so she says that, uh, that Maul is back on the, what is it? It's a Sundari, the capital city, Sundari. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. And, uh, well, how certain are you of this? And Bo Katan says that he arrived two days ago and, uh, this is the point where it gets kinda it gets kinda saucy here between them because Obi-Wan's like, Well, what do you want from us? And she's like, Well, I don't have the forces to to basically lead a siege of my own. Right. And uh, this is where, you know, they start talking about the the war effort and, and we talk about those treaties again where it's like, you know, if the Republic can't invade because we'll be breaking treaties that are hundreds of years old. Yes. That whole idea of, of the, so you get that sense that Mandalore, the peaceful movement of Mandalore and the, these treaties, like they, it's been, they've been a peaceful people for a long time now. Like. Yeah. It's
1: tenuous too. Anakin even says like, we need to finish one more before we start another one.
0: That's right. Yeah. (laughs) So essentially the, the it's left where Obi-Wan is going to basically take it to the council and let them decide. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ahsoka doesn't really like that. You know, she's not really satisfied with that answer, but there's really, there's no other way to, to handle it.
1: Right, but essentially at that moment, the fly in the ointment, we catch up to Revenge of the Sith finally.
0: That's right. So there's a moment though where Obi-Wan goes off because he's going to go and report that and, and Anakin's like, well, wait a minute, I got something for you. And That's so right. they, they go off and uh, they they enter the hangar again and uh, there's Rex and a portion of the, the 501st and they're all lined up in parade formation and they've all painted their helmets now to basically reflect her facial tattoos. That's right. Which I thought was, I never really got that whole, like I get it. It's cool visually, but like this is another one of those why <laughs> questions that I had. Like why, why did they feel the need to repaint their helmets?
1: Oh no! but I need that clone trooper.
0: Uh, and so, yeah, well.
1: <laughs> that could be the reason right there. Maybe.
0: Could, yeah, you know what? <laughs> again, they even
1: rebrand them. They're
0: the third, the 332nd. 332nd. Once they're divided. But the yeah. funny thing is Rex, you know, he's holding his helmet under his arm and it's got the, the, the paint job on it. But when they go back yeah. to Mandalore, he's wearing his normal helmet again.
1: He is. He's also promoted to commander here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good for him, by the way.
1: Yeah, by the way. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, and you talk about sort of these uh, relationships and friendships and seeing things from their perspective. Rex gets a really cool, a cool moment in this arc, uh, and you really do get that, uh, you know, that sense of like how close he was that they were uh, in terms of like friendships. Mm-hmm. So, the the moment is kind of interrupted. She gets a moment where she gets to sort of inspect the troops, as it were, where she kind of walks up and down the the, the ranks, and kind of looks at them. And then she comes back to talk to Anakin, and he's like, "Oh, and I've got uh, one other thing for you." But that moment is interrupted when the claxons uh, go off, and uh, the ship is basically put on uh, high alert. And the That's door, right. the door flies open, and Obi Wan comes in, and it's like, "There's been an attack on Coruscant, and uh, we're jump, you know, ready all troops because we're about to jump to hyperspace." And so he's like, "Well, the or, there's been an attack, or no?" He comes back, and he's like, "Is there?" He talks about the, uh, the assault on, on Mandalore. Has it been approved? And he's like, no, we're going to Coruscant because right. general, general Grievous has made an attack on the Capitol. And, uh, so Ahsoka, you know, in a, in a moment that's very Anakin, like has this outburst. He's like, so what, you're just going to leave them to themselves. And, uh, you know, Obi-Wan's like, well, that's, you know, right now we need to go where, you know, where we're needed. Uh, yeah. People, people need us, and she's like, "Yeah, people need you." She's like, "No, the Supreme Chancellor needs you, right? The you Republic know. needs you." Yeah, yeah so she kind of, she's really bought into that idea that, you know, what Barris had said uh, to some degree is true—that the Jedi right. have it's fallen true. away yeah. from their traditional role as peacekeepers, yeah. and
1: exactly uh, what Dooku tells, Obi-Lan yeah, it is he's captured on it it so He's is. not lying to him.
0: No, he's not. I feel there's some real parallels there, like, when you say that between uh, Barriss Offee and uh, Dooku. Like, when you read the novelization of Revenge of the Sith, uh, mm-hmm. you really do come to this sort of, in Attack of the Clones, really, that Dooku believed he was right. He
1: yeah.
0: He believed that he was doing the right thing by leading the Separatists, but he didn't realize that he was being manipulated at the same time, right? No. Yeah. No. But, yeah, so... There's this there's there's this barb exchanged between uh, Ahsoka and uh, Obi-Wan about how, you know, Obi-Wan says you're not being fair because he's he's of the opinion that, you know, we go where we're needed. And right now the people on Coruscant need us and she's like, no, the uh, the Supreme Chancellor needs you and and the whole you're not being fair. And she's like, I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be fair. I'm not trying to be. She basically throws it in his face that, you know, you're, you're doing his bidding and have been for this entire time. And then she, she takes it a step further by going, you know, you know, I'd forgotten you've, you've forgotten what it's like to be a Jedi. And she said, and so did I, until I was reminded what it means, you know, to the people who need us.
1: That's right. And referring to the earlier arc where she's being more like the personal assistant to people in need, more of like the superhero yeah uh, right yeah
0: so they kind of they're at an impasse here what they're going to do and so anakin is like he's trying to satisfy everybody he's like well we'll just we'll i'll split the five hundred and first and first ahsoka can take them you know and right. go we'll, we'll
1: promote rex
0: <laughs> yeah and and obi-wan's like well ahsoka is no longer a member of the grand army of the republic so we can't do that and that's where you get to this well we'll just promote rex to commander and Ahsoka can go along as an observer. (laughs) That's right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and she, there's almost this like, there's an undertone, but Ahsoka says, well, if Master Obi-Wan agrees. Like, there's something there underneath that where there's almost like this, I don't know, it's like a disdain for him, you know? I don't know what's there, but there's something there that's sort of subsurface.
1: Yeah, I mean, she's... He he's trying to uphold the order while it's yeah. crumbling. And you gotta think like he's our favorite character, yours and mine both. Yep. And you gotta think in his heart of hearts. He knows too. Yeah. And he's still going through the motions though. He's going yeah, to, he's going to ride this ship till it goes down.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's gonna he he wants to cling to those uh the traditions and to the, the things that he holds, you know, that he thinks are are true and are, are, are real and relevant. Um, Good
1: soldiers obey orders.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, he even says it in, in uh, the Phantom Menace, you know, he's like, if you would only, he says to Qui-Gon Jinn, if you would only, you know, heed the will of the council, you'd be on the council. Yoda says it
1: to him at the end. Yeah. Qui-Gon's defiance I sense in you and that we do not need.
0: Yep. Yep. Where there's this, uh, there's this ideological, you know, rift between the order and and maybe some of its some of its members, and of course, this is just one more example of that.
1: And going back to the fact that the the the, the galaxy is in pain and, and the Jedi are diminished. When Yoda even says in one of the films, like more and more arrogance are are the Jedi becoming? More, yeah, you know, more proud, less less. You know, so there's that whole sense of all these things coming yeah. into play. Yeah, yeah. Obi Wan is trying to do the right thing. What he feels strongly is the right thing.
0: Yeah, so at this point there's there's some talk about what's happening. They actually make a reference to some off-camera stuff that shows up later in uh, some uh, cutting room stuff where they talk about, you know, what's the status of the Chancellor and Obi-Wan says that Shakti has been dispatched to uh, to go to him, but we don't we haven't heard from her. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> Which is alluding to the cutscene where she's kind of in the bowels of Coruscant and and she's actually Uh, she's killed uh, in Mm -hmm. that scene. Yeah. I think it's, is it Grievous himself that kills her? I believe so. I think it is too. Yeah. And I think they talk about it in the novelization as well, but yeah. So that's
1: two different deaths. Yeah, actually. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, There is because she actually,
1: as well.
0: What's her non-canon one?
1: Um, I can't recall off the top of my head, but I remember it's different than uh, Grievous killing her.
0: Okay. But we don't, we don't see her again. No. Ever. <laughs> no, <laughs> not, no, not never. in this or the films. No. So yeah, there's a, uh, you know, Obi-Wan essentially agrees to it. They split the five hundred and first first and two. And essentially now we're going to, we're going to split our forces and we're going to go two different ways, but not before, you know, Anakin is finally able to say, listen, I got one other thing for you. And he presents her with this wooden box hmm. and with the wooden box. He kind of gives her the look of like, you know, like go ahead. And so she, you know, if you're going to face, if you're gonna face Maul, you're gonna need these. That's right. I think is the line. And so she opens up the box, and therein is her lightsabers, which she had dropped over the course of the the, the arc where the temple was bombed when she was on the run. Yeah, uh, two different times she drops her lightsabers. Yeah, yeah, drops one in one episode and another one in, in the next one. One she drops in what a it's like a viaduct or something. hmm And then the second one is dropped like in this like weird like in between a bunch of like machinery and stuff, but she loses them essentially. Mm-hmm. So now it's like, here's your lightsabers back. And and she takes them and, and of course she ignites them. And then we have this moment of like, you and I talked about this and I, I was struggled with it. Like mm-hmm. suddenly her lightsabers are now blue. It yeah,
1: well, wasn't, it was about a week too. We sort of struggled with it. We're you back had more and forth on it. Uh,
0: yeah. Cause I mean, uh, they were, I was
1: speculating that maybe just in his presence, he changed the color of the cardboard crystals. He's a very powerful Jedi. Yeah. Know? And yeah. then this morning I found, I guess, the canon explanation.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, I went so far, <laughs> earlier this week, I went so far as to tweet uh, Dave Filoni, who doesn't really tweet very often. He's like a once or twice a year kind of tweeter guy. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I did, I asked him, I said like, hey man, like uh, why did Anakin change Ahsoka's lightsabers to blue? you know, were they broken or is there some other reason for it? Because her sabers, she has a, a yellow blade and a green blade.
1: Turns out he gave us the answer, but the force works in mysterious ways. Sure does. <laughs> so
0: so I, you want to go yeah. th- you want to run through this?
1: Sure. Well, it just real quickly, I found a screen rant article and I'm not yeah. sure from how long ago uh, it even was. I never checked the date, but in it, it's basically his, his explanation is that um, Anakin just, because out of ego, just because out of uh, like, I mean, he was pining for, her. he loves Ahsoka. That's yeah. his, 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 student, his, his sister, his daughter. It's, it's all those different roles that she fulfills. I almost and feel like in that he moment, misses it, her.
0: I feel like, especially when she leaves and he's kind of looking over her shoulder as she's leaving and she's kind of doing the same thing that there's, there's like this undertone of like, you remember in the movie, remember in Highlander? in the movie mm. Highlander, the Connor McLeod's secretary. Okay. You remember how she, uh, he actually picked her. She's actually a, a British, uh, lady that was rescued during the second world war. Okay. You yes. know, and it's, and it's implied that over the years of being together, that, that, that they went through every phase of relationship that you could, where like he starts off as a father figure, she grows up and then it's this, right. they have a romantic connection. And then yes. she, as then she, she ages, the mother, yeah. yeah. I almost feel like there's something underlying like there's a romantic connection between these two. I know that it's never really it's never really spoken of within the context of the show, but like mm. I feel like there's a there's a romantic thing where like they could have been. I
1: I never really got that. I I could see where you're going. I never really got that though because he's because his fall is so tied to to Padme. To Padme yeah. I always got this uh, dysfunctional brother sister relationship. Yeah, you know, I guess And, and, and the, the, in the same way that you get a dysfunctional brother brother relationship with with Anakin and Obi Wan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Emphasized by Filoni's explanation that Qui Gon was always meant to be the father figure.
0: That's right. Yeah, yeah, for yeah.
1: Anakin and that Anakin essentially grew up like without a father, and which created or uh, increased his dysfunction. Yeah. And so I think that that you know, I, I I get that sense. And then and right at the end, as they're both maturing, it's it's sort of a, he's trying to to father her. He's trying to mentor her more. But as in the early seasons of Clone Wars, it's very much like it's just like sidekicky superhero yeah. sidekick, not really much more depth to it. But we do get Filoni in this instance, literally explaining that he changes the angles of the crystals. Yep, he he's just playing with them. And then he even goes so far as to say it's it's completely out of ego, yep. which perfectly fits the Anakin Skywalker. It sure
0: does. I did it because uh,
1: I could. Level of attachment, yeah, yeah. And therefore, you know, and I find his attachment to Ahsoka to be a much more profound reason for his fall to the dark side than his attachment to Padme. Honestly,
0: yeah. In some levels, I think they they work. They both work on a from an emotional perspective. They work. They, they both have the similar punch to me, but they just have a different connotation, a different context. I mean, the, yeah. you know, your, your pregnant wife and your children, like, uh, or your exactly. student. Yeah. Like it's, they have exactly. similar, similar, uh, um, emotional space, but, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. still different. I agree. So yeah, the, The lightsaber thing, we, we finally get past that. And I, and I accept that it's an ego thing because that definitely fits with his, his, uh, turn to the dark side. And then there's some parting words from, uh, from Obi-Wan and it's, you know, it's so truthful too. He's like, oh, you should capture him. He's like, I, I killed him once before and he has a habit of not staying dead. So you should probably try and capture him.
1: I also feel like even if, uh, Filoni is grasping at his own straws, if you will, to explain it. That when the, the lightsaber duel does happen,
0: yeah, and
1: it, it thematically the blue versus red is so iconic. That it, it is. It needed to be.
0: Yeah, I guess so. I can I can buy into that. I think so. But I will say this: um, we talked extensively about in the episode with uh, the Mandalorian, the Jedi episode about Ahsoka and her lightsabers, and particularly the white lightsabers. Mm. And in our last episode, in our recap, talking about the the different tonal quality of yes. the lightsabers did you notice that these now that they're blue have the same sound as her white lightsabers
1: they do yeah they yeah yeah almost like he's cleaned them
0: <laughs> kind of yeah in a yeah. bizarre way but uh yeah these these audio cues that sort of uh that tie into these characters like uh like part one of the other things i noticed that I don't know if I would call it Ahsoka's theme per se, but a lot of the music around Ahsoka blends uh, elements of Yoda's theme with some other music, mm-hmm. which I they thought do, was kind of the interesting.
1: They do use the of the Sith theme, uh, the, like the stanzas here quite a bit too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They sprinkle them in, yeah.
0: So everybody goes their own ways. And of course, that, so again, this is the last time that Ahsoka is going to see Anakin Skywalker in this way. Because <laughs> right. the next time they meet... It's uh, it's full on Vader, yeah. The apprentice lives. I know, yeah. So uh, our next scene it picks up with um, uh, what do we got here? Picks up with uh, a bunch of gunships that are making planet fall, uh, along with a couple of Mandalorian uh, ships as well, and they essentially uh, as they're making their way in, uh, they get a a transmission from the surface, and it's Prime Minister Almak who basically demands, "Why is the Republic?" Violating the treaty, uh, and it's an you know, essentially, it's an invasion. What are you doing? And Bo Katan has her big moment here where she's basically is like, We know your mall's puppet, and we're coming for him, and we're coming for you. And he's, he says, she's, He says to her, He's like, You're branded a traitor, and she's like, Just calm as you know, anything. She's like, I can live with that. Yeah, the siege of Mandalore has begun. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so, yeah, we've talked about this before, and even earlier on this episode, like, the siege starts now, during the Clone Wars, during Revenge of the Sith, Mm -hmm. and five years after Return of the Jedi, it's still happening? (laughs) Oh, my God. Like, there's Uh, been no order restored to this planet for that long?
1: They've been in an internal civil war. They've been fighting their respective oppressors. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Olmac or Gar Saxon is at the center of it for several decades because he is the.
0: Yeah. Uh, during the reign of the empire, he's the like, prime yeah. minister.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's like uh, the uh, magistrate. I guess
0: that's Man, what, is that I what they call it? it? I don't remember what they call know. it.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, that's the new term that they've been adopting for these Imperial remnants. Yeah. I don't,
0: I don't though. think he's a, I don't think they give him a Moff title, but like, no, no. Yeah. But they're definitely under Imperial rule. That's right. He's basically the new puppet, essentially. Yeah,
1: um, you get the idea that they're, like they're under imperial rule, much the same as Lothal is, where they're openly rebelling, but they're being oppressed.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard to imagine though, like, the, what is the average citizen doing at this point? You know, like the, you know, there was this thunderous like, "Yay, Previsla and the Death Watch have come to rescue us!" And now it's like, wait a minute, wasn't he part of them? <laughs> you like, know, it like,
1: kind of it goes back to that the speech from the uh, the. Mandalorian and the uh, the first magistrate. Anyway, the uh, the one that's actually trying to procure Grogu in the beginning and and, and saying like, "Look at the galaxy; it's peaceful, it's oh, calm." Uh, the, your, the client. Yeah, the client. Yeah, Werner Ver- Herzog. You know, measure by any metric, Werner Herzog. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Right. you know, like peace and prosperity, and that's the you know that's the general consensus of the average citizen. Yep, like, these yep. guys are just the the, the cops. Remember how bad it was before when there was oh, clones killing jedi and jedi killing clones and and battle droids everywhere and this is much better isn't it there's a couple stormtroopers over there and they're just arresting people for you know and so to the general citizen it's not the evil empire yet it's no. it's the it's the people who won the 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 clone war and they're just trying to reestablish order in the galaxy so the rise of the empire is very much like that they don't really start oppressing people until they get the Death Star.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so Bo-Katan basically says, you know, she's fine with being uh, being labeled as a, an enemy of the people and a traitor. That's right. Um, <laughs> and then, then Ahsoka basically looks and says, uh, you know, you're nothing like your sister. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it's a nice little moment. So meanwhile, at the uh, the Royal Palace, you've got Elmec basically tells Gar Saxon to prepare for an attack. And... uh Basically orders um, Rook cast. Yes. So Rook cast. They tell her to basically prepare the syndicate, the the army, the 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 what do we call them? The Shadow Collective or the uh, mm-hmm. the Crimson Dawn. Uh, their yeah. army essentially get ready for this attack. I want to talk about Rook cast for a second because it's not a character that has any real prominence, but I want to just. Do you remember back in the West End games? in the D6 West End games uh Jodo cast Jodo cast is this a callback to that character
1: it 100% is it 100% is yeah
0: so Jodo cast uh, uh had this reputation as being like a Boba Fett knockoff that he was actually he wore Mandalorian armor and uh adorned it very much like Boba Fett to the point where he was mistaken for Boba Fett so he just kind of rode the uh, Boba Fett's infamy and used that to get higher paying bounty jobs
1: yeah, he was in the Marvel Comics too. He's uh, like Leia meets him. And that's when they explain that they are the um that that particular shade of armor, yeah. That the, the green, that green on gray, yeah, is the Mandalorian's police force oh. in that it's no longer canon anymore, but that's, okay, okay. All of these members that Leia meets when she goes to Mandalore are all dressed exactly like Boba Fett. The armor is identical, okay. the colors are identical.
0: Well, and even still like the
1: emblem with the little, the flower or the the, the leaf. leaf that's, yeah. Right, that's on all their armor as well. Okay. And that's the, it doesn't have the little F below it for fet, but that's the insignia of the Mandalorian police, super police or whatever. Okay. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Almost like the protectors that yes, we see in rebels. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: So that is, that's a deep cut into, uh, you know, there, there haven't been a lot of deep, like we're back in the lore, right? Yeah. So that yeah. is a deep cut and it, it, it it's, uh, she has to be that guy's ancestor.
0: I would think so. I mean,
1: right? it's, yeah, she comes well before him.
0: It's one of those names where like, you know, if you didn't know, it's just a name, but like to us, it's like, wait a minute, where have I heard that yeah, before?
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a flare in the sky. <laughs> it is. Yeah.
0: So, and then again, you see all dressed and he's now wearing Mandalorian armor. And like we yep. mentioned before, like, does it not eerily look like Boba Fett's armor? It's green. Uh, there's some gold trim, but like the, the highlights are sort of, they're in the same places where they are on Boba Fett's armor.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So you gotta wonder if there is a ceremonial, uh, sort of quality to that that paint scheme, or is it representative of you know a ranking thing?
1: Yeah, they subtly canonize things. It's hard to tell what <laughs> what they it mean is. by them necessarily. But certainly,
0: like all all armor is way more visually striking than say the the super commandos with their red and black and their horns and That's stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, they go to prepare for the invasion and uh, Saxon cautions Almec and says, you know, it's been a long time since we've been involved in a fight like this. Are we ready for this? And of course, he kind of basically thinks that they are. And then uh, we get the uh, the invasion itself. And so they basically, <laughs> there's this really cool sequence where the, the gunships are sort of making their way, uh, making planetfall. And uh, the super commandos are rising up to meet them. And it's like this force of like these Mandalorians all on jetpacks and yeah. they start, they, the, there's this incoming barrage of missiles. And at first I didn't realize it until you see the commandos actually flying out that it's, oh, it's actually their, the missiles off their jetpacks. Yes. And gunships start falling out of the sky. And so now it becomes this like, oh crap, we're, we're in it. So clones are deploying out on jetpacks and Bo-Katan and, and her night owls are are joining the fight. And uh, Rex says, I'm sorry, I didn't bring one of these for you. And Ahsoka's like, it's okay. I don't need one. And then, yeah. you know, very much, we talked about that sort of, you know, hopeful Ahsoka and childlike Ahsoka, how she was like characterized early on in the series. And you get a, you get a glimpse of that when she turns to Rex and she's like, I'll race you to the surface. Yep. And out the door she goes and basically leaps from from ship to ship to Mandalorian, taking out Mandalorians along or Super Commandos along the way uh in order to get to the to the surface. And has this big, you know, uh what is it, the superhero landing? She gets like the big soup the Iron Man landing on the on the loading, uh, on the, yeah. The, yeah. the the platform. <laughs> As the yeah, rest of the, the commandos kind of come in and, and uh, f- they square up with her and they start pushing their way into the city. So Bo-Katan shows up with uh, Ursa Wren and uh, they secure the, the dock and they leave Ursa, Sabine's mom, uh, in charge of just securing that area and everybody pushes in. And the uh, the plan is that they're going to split up. You're going to have one set of forces that are going to go directly to the throne room and, uh, oh, where's everybody else going? Right. So you've got Gar Saxon who's been dispatched to the docks. Right. To basically put into play the 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 plan as it were from the from the the side of Maul. And Maul does have a plan because Elmac even says, "Oh, our lord, it's as our lord had predicted that they brought a Jedi with them."
1: Right. Except he's expecting Kenobi.
0: Right. So um Essentially, uh, Gar Saxon basically uh, is being overrun by uh, Bo-Katan's, for- or Ahsoka's forces, actually. And so next says, well, then retreat to the Undercity. And so they do, and that kind of draws Ahsoka down into the underbelly of the city. Meanwhile, mm. bo and her forces have busted into the throne room, have this like crazy, crazy fight between the super commandos and her forces and eventually they they um subdue Almec and his forces. I want to talk a minute here about one of the big inconsistencies that I've noticed between the things that we saw regarding Mandalorian armor uh in the Mandalorian versus what we saw in uh, the clone wars and it's It's interesting that you know it's it's really a minor thing, but it's kind of funny how how much emphasis the Mandalorian put on the durability of of beskar armor and what it can take and how we see you know dinjar and essentially you know be the bullet magnet in several right. several episodes right and and he just keeps going but we see in clone wars we these these big protracted battles and like mandalorians are dropping you know on single blaster bolts and they go down so i'm like uh, yeah oh.
1: I mean, I've had to rationalize it a few ways and i i what I've come up with to sort to of sit okay with me is that the the clones are probably trained to for soft targets and they're they're high you know what i mean i do um uh so i'll i I'll, I'll I'll take a little pinch of that yep and then i'll I'll take um perhaps the the blasters are tuned to a higher caliber I'll take a little dash of sure. that <laughs> and I'll even throw in a little, maybe not all Mandalorian armor is, is made out of Beskar. I kind of got the sense that parts of what Din Djarin was wearing in season one. Oh, these
0: Baskar. definitely weren't not when he's wearing a shore trooper pauldron and shore sure. trooper gloves and the back of the hand bits, which he's still wearing. And uh, then I'll sprinkle
1: it at the very end with, I think maybe Din Djarin had a, uh, a gun kata, if you will. Yeah. Where he, similar to like a hockey goalie is in front of the puck. He's actually so good at fighting where we thought maybe he was kind of more haphazard, but maybe he's actually so good that he's moving his body to put the plates in front of the blaster bolts.
0: He certainly does that in, uh, in the episode where he basically, he does that for Fennec Shand.
1: So Uh, that little recipe of all those things added up. I'm okay with it.
0: I think it's safe to say like, what's the, what's the colloquialism? There's a, the chink in the armor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. every armor has its sort of weak weak spots. And I'm much That's more, right. uh, I'm much more agreeable to the idea of like the armor itself. Like there are exposed places, like particularly the abdomen where below the chest plate, because mm-hmm. if you, if you put an armor plate there, you've basically taken away the flexibility of the person to move within it. So you know, right. if, if you're, if you're hitting gut shots, you know, all the time and I can buy into it. It just seems so bizarre. Like having just watched the Mandalorian where it's like, ting, 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 ting.
1: We're and literally a star destroyer going. blast does not destroy well, a Beskar spear. There you go. Right. So, you know, so, um, you know, it's, it could be stretching it, but.
0: And even I'm surprised that, you know, conversely we see Bo-Katan and all of the, the Mandalorian, the death watch. Uh, and even the super commandos have these little energy shields on their gauntlets that they're using quite, quite adeptly. We don't see any of that in the Mandalorian. They've completely abandoned it.
1: It's it's very true, but perhaps it's because the Mandalorian weapons are tuned to a higher different. Yeah. It's entirely possible. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 If you've got better armor, you're certainly going to develop better weapons.
0: Yeah. So we have this whole thing play out where, We've got Almec in the throne room now, subdued, and we've got Ahsoka and her clones basically chasing Gar Saxon into the underbelly of the city. But that kind of, oh, it sets up Ahsoka for the—it's uh, a trap. Um, mm. But it's kind of too late, and because of the 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 being underneath the city, you get that typical oh we can't we can't radio her because there's interference for whatever reason, but The super commandos are basically able to play are able to cat and mouse her and her forces enough to lead her into a sort of an intersection where, you know, suddenly she's surrounded on all sides by a bunch of super commandos and uh, there's really nothing left for her to do, but kind of, you know, it's that do or die moment. And then as the camera pans around, we can see, you know, one chamber or one, one tunnel is kind of empty. And then we see from the shadow, we see that, that figure kind of walk in and it's, it's oh, Maul. Yeah. Maul makes his appearance and, and, uh, an interesting sort of line here where, uh, Oh my God, where is it here? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> lightsabers at the ready. Ahsoka is, is staring at, at him and, and he basically is like, what are you doing here? You know, yeah, like, he thought,
1: knows her by name though. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Sokatano Yeah. Ahsoka Tano.
0: yeah. And then yeah. he basically says, I was expecting Kenobi. And then the, uh, the episode fades to black and the credits roll. And, Man. Uh, yeah, so lots of stuff to sort of unpack in this, in this episode where it's like, I wish, I wish there was a version out there. And Maybe somebody out there has done this, but remember when they did uh, Watchmen, uh, the, the, some of the home media releases for Watchmen, they did the theatrical yep. cut, and then they released the Tales of the Black Freighter as a separate thing. And then yes. there was a director's cut where they, they, they inserted Placed that in. Yeah. yeah. I almost wish like there was a version of revenge of the Sith that had these episodes peppered in. Where I believe they,
1: there is on YouTube.
0: Uh, I'll if do a there little, is,
1: uh, I'll do a little searchy job when we get off yeah. here, and I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you if I can find yeah, it. But I'll I've just, seen something very similar. If not the entire thing cut together like that, at least those scenes worked in yeah. to that five or 10 minutes.
0: So that there is a whole lot to unpack in that. I mean, uh, we came together today to talk about one particular episode, and, and in doing so, we had to basically talk about uh, eight other episodes just to get here. And I think, yeah, if we hadn't have done that, it wouldn't have the same like oomph, that it does, no, knowing no. all of these things, especially you know, given Ahsoka's. It's it's a sm- short moment that uh, hanger scene, but if you don't understand what she went through being put on trial and, you know, sticking to her convictions about, I'm not going to take the fall for something that I didn't do. And she's like, and nobody believes me. And you're the only one who does, but she knows like Anakin alone does not have the influence with the council to affect the outcome of anything that would happen to her. So she takes it on herself to go on the run. And that really sets her moral conviction, you know, to, right
1: up to the point we see her in The Mandalorian and even the addendum to Rebels.
0: That's right. Where she is, you know, we we talked about it in The Mandalorian. I am is, no Jedi. Right. Is she or is she not a Jedi at this point? And I I think we kind of, we agreed that, you know, at the point that we see her in The Mandalorian, she's come back to, you know, the the tenets of the Jedi and... and
1: what it means to for her to be a Jedi. That's right. Sure. Without... Singular.
0: Right, without digging in and and going back to the whole like dogmatic, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that. And really, certainly in
1: terms of there no, not being a, a Jedi order for her to have to refer back to, that she's no, that's right, very self aware that she is one of the last. Remaining that's right.
0: Jedi. So I mean, she she has a you know a, an opportunity to sort of cling to her her own values and her own sense of morality and basically carve out what she feels it means to be a Jedi.
1: Yeah. And I feel like in the next episode, there's a little more to unpack regarding the actual order 66 um, yep. in terms of its origins. And we, we get a, we, I mean, we certainly, we get the movie and we know what it is. And that's right. just a word that Palpatine said to Cody on a thing. And, but you, you really get those episodes and we'll save it for next time. But uh, those episodes with, with top uh, CT five, three, five, eight. And uh, with fives, that's right. So you get, you get to understand what, what order 66 is and that it's a defective inhibitor chip yeah, and, and that it's an implant and it, it starts and we, we're going to definitely need to unpack that to give the, the listener, the, the full depth of how, how deep order 66 goes.
0: Yeah. Because like there's, I can't remember what season it's in, but there's, is it fives? Oh, it's echo. I think we went through this before. It's Echo that basically unearthed the, uh, the idea that there was a, the inhibitor chip and that there was something potentially right. sinister yeah. going on there. And, and of course yeah. he's essentially silenced for that. Cause you can't have that getting out. <laughs> no, and they both,
1: and there's this whole thing where Ahsoka is, you know, trying to, uh, is it, well, she's uh, involved in that, like uh, trying to help the clones and Anakin. And, you know, they're all trying to help these, clones who were ostensibly from the outside lost their minds.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause I mean the, the shock value of, you know, your loyal troops, which are loyal to a fault suddenly are, you know, murderous. Like why are they, why are they turning on me? Exactly. You know? So it's important to, to really understand why that's happening. And, and you, it comes up later. Like you see, I wondered, you know, when you see the reaction that Rex goes through, And you see him struggling with that. I wondered if, because Cody, who arguably you get the sense, at least from revenge of the Sith, I got a sense that Cody and Obi-Wan were closer than what we saw them portrayed throughout the the series, but he didn't struggle one iota. Like, okay, yep, we'll do when the order is given. He's like, yep. Okay. Like,
1: I think that a lot of it. Uh, so I think a lot of what, and we'll get into it eventually too i don't want to say but i think a lot of it is is rex getting stuck in the the wording of order 66 yeah and because he's fighting the fact that on a technicality she's no longer a jedi right and i think that's where the brainworm is in that moment oh maybe i don't think he's resisting so much the fact that he's trying not to kill ahsoka tano his friend yeah I think he's trying to rationalize that the order might not include her. Maybe not. She's not a Jedi yet.
0: Well, we could argue that a couple of different ways anymore.
1: Yeah. And we'll get there.
0: (laughs) I'm just going to play devil's advocate for a second. And I'm going to talk about uh, some other media where you have those, um, those purge troopers who are kind of holdovers, the last sort of batch of clones and Mm -hmm. how they end up uh, turning on the uh, inquisitor because somebody invokes order 66 and they basically see the inquisitors as jedi and kill them.
1: Yeah, and so, that's not the only time that's done. There's a no. uh, a jedi after. Yeah. Uh, it's in it's in the Marvel comics and the jedi uh is essentially being overwhelmed by uh some other force wielders and clones. Yeah. And yells order 66 to them and they immediately turn on their the the force wielders that they're with. Yeah. To escape, so it's still part of the clone programming. Even like you could ostensibly just walk up and say it to a clone and yeah. <laughs> trigger them again. It's like a and so uh, actually we have a I, I I shouldn't say we. She gets mad at me sometimes. But I have a joke here at home. Sure, I'll look at the dog and I'll look at her, uh, my wife. And oh I'll say no, dog, Order sixty <laughs> six, get her. And it never happens. Oh, that's funny. But Lauren like hates it.
0: <laughs> I can see why
1: yeah
0: (laughs) well folks there you have it that is our uh look back at uh old friends not forgotten and a whole lot of other content as well so if you guys want to get caught up uh in the in the week between now and our next episode all i would say is remember go back to uh, clone Wars season five start at the episode eminence and watch until the end of the season and then you'll be just as informed uh, as we are uh, right now and it'll yeah, really
1: even if you watched 5 6 and 7 straight through you'd be caught up because the uh the stuff that we're about to talk about with top is the beginning yeah. of season 6.
0: Yeah, essentially, yeah. Well, I don't know if, about you but uh I think uh I think I've said all I can say about uh, this week's episode. I'm looking forward to super uh, happy, yes sir. Yeah, looking forward to uh keep the conversation going next week when we talk about uh, the next one and I don't have the title in front of me. Anyway, we're going to talk about the the next one next week. So uh, if you've got nothing else, I think we can, uh, we can pretty much call it here. I'm clear, man. All right. Well, thanks again, everybody for uh, tuning in and uh, sticking with us uh, throughout our, uh, not only our Fandalorian review series, but uh, thanks for joining us for uh, order 66 as we uh, continue to review uh, the final uh, four-part arc of Season 7 of The Clone Wars. And until next week, do do it. Do it. Do it.
1: Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode, where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom Power is a Sawcast production.
0: Sawcast Productions can distribute it too. Contact us online today. So, what do you want to say?